Hey, uh, Rob, just a quick question. Are you hearing like any buzz or anything? Yeah, I'm I'm hearing. Yeah, like all of a sudden, like when Rob started talking, I started hearing like this. Basically, it's like kind of doing this faux robot thing. Weird. I'm. It must be something from Skype because I'm not seeing it on my end, but then I'm just taking right. audio direct from my microphone on my side. Okay. Well, and if it's not and if it's not coming up on the sound, then that's fine. I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't something on my end. That no, I no, right. you guys are you and, guys are, and as long as we still sound okay for yeah. the recording, I, yeah, no, you I, guys, it's fine. Well, as long as we're not having any issues with it, I just it. I wanted to make sure that we didn't go too long without you know if we were having an issue. So it, yeah, no, okay. it, you guys still sound good, and I'm not seeing it or hearing anything on my side. So. Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that has finally made it to 200 episodes. I'm Yay. your host, Rob. I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. And yes, all four of us are back together. I think it's the first time we've all been in studio together. Well, you know, barring Kevin being remote. Uh, but it's the first time we've all been together for a couple of months, at least. Because I think I've done some remote <laughs> shows and stuff like that. So yeah, there was remotes, and then I know our couple is coming up. So and we had a couple of Skype episodes in yep. there. So yes, we're all back together. So hopefully, hopefully, no sound issues this time. I'm even yeah. recording on <laughs> on my portable computer rather than my desktop. I I think I know what technically went wrong last time, and we're hoping to not have any repeats. So we learn from our mistakes. Yes, it's how you learn is you screw up, and then you get better. Uh, this episode, uh, we are going to be – we put out a call. So we talked a little bit about this last during the cursed episode. We had a lot of different plans that we went through for episode 200, <laughs> different things we wanted to do. And between multiple life events, none of them came to fruition. Although, although we did get a three out of four player uh, apocalypse game in yesterday. Yep. So that was it. So we, we, we almost got there. So anyway, we put out a call on Facebook and Twitter to say, hey, for episode 200, are there any questions that you guys would like to ask? Not necessarily rules questions, but questions you would just like to ask of us that you would like us to talk about. Like, what would you like to talk about on episode 200? So that's what we're going to be. That's our main topic today is we're going to be talking about just the things you want to know about our feelings on things in the game, our our histories of the game, what we'd like to see in the game, things we remember, stuff like that. So we'll, that'll be our main topic. Uh, but first, as always, news and new releases and your listener mail. And we do have actually one listener mail question this time. So it's getting better. Uh, but also, like, the second half of the episode is effectively listener questions. So I, I'll, I think it's, a, I think it's fine. Uh, but anyway, news and new releases is obviously, uh, since our last episode, Nova Open happened, and thus we had the Nova Open preview, and uh, there's quite a bit yeah. to chew on there. So first off, just going to take it from the top, I'm, going, I'm on the Warhammer community site, we're just going to kind of work through the 40k parts of their, uh, of their previews. Psychic Awakening, we've been wondering what, they've been teasing this for a couple of weeks now, and... 
like, what is this? Is this like a new supplement that's going to add psychers and new psychic rules, and new psychic disciplines, or what is this? And it turns out Psychic Awakening is a new campaign series that is going to cover not just like one the things happening on one planet, but it's covering the entire galaxy. And it has new rules for just about everybody. And in fact, they updated the graphic for with new rules because they had a like with new rules for it had sigils listed for like every like factions. They've updated it since then because they added sisters to it because it did not have sisters before. Do you know what this makes me think of? What does it make you think of? Dark Millennium, the old second edition box set. Yeah, Yeah, I was, I was, I was actually literally just looking at that box like (laughs) like the other day, and and thought about. I'm like, oh hey yeah, this was. The old psychic box. Yeah. Well, it had more stuff than just it, psychic in it, yeah. but that was the big focus of it. Yeah. So Psychic Awakening is a monumental event that will shape Warhammer 40k forever, so they're moving the storyline ahead, I'm guessing. On a scale unlike anything we've ever seen before, across this epic event, every codex will see expanded rules as we explore the frontline war zones of a cataclysmic new conflict that makes the ter- 13th Black Crusade look like a border scuffle. <laughs> Uh, and also, the <laughs> video they released with it has basically an Imperial Inquisitor kind of, like, recording into her logs. And the animation shows her, like, opening up a book and an Eldar sigil, like, floats in the air in front of her. So, they're definitely pointing towards something involving either the Imperium and the Eldar or the fall of the Eldar or the return, like, the full-on rebirth, like, of Aeneid or... Does Yanari finally get their own... <laughs> <laughs> no, you've got a white dwarf index and you'll be happy. Uh, Thank you. Well, I was going to say, uh, from that graphic, though, uh, Inquisition Codex confirmed. No. <laughs> there is an Inquisition logo on it. But no, that's actually the Death Watch, I think. Yeah, the Death Watch has the yeah, Inquisition yeah. symbol on and it. And the skull and crossbones. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, yeah, that's Death Watch. So yeah, it's basically space, it looks like Space Marines, Chaos Marines, Asriani, Drukari, Harlequins, Death Watch, Grey Knights... Adeptus Custodes, Thousand Sons, Death Guard, uh, Tyranids, uh, Astra Militarum, Knights, Chaos Knights, Orcs, Necrons, Tau, Chaos Demons, Mechanicus, Blood Angels, uh, Sisters, Gene Stealer Cults, Space Wolves, Dark Angels. I mean, that that's pretty much the rundown, which also tells you we have 24 major factions in 40k now. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. so if this is all about psychics, then the after this you need someone who's psychic resistant? Well, the thing is, it's. I don't think and, it's all about because uh, like Necrons are in there. Well, no, no, have, have a psychic resistant army they make, and it's kind of like short and squatty people. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to say which one. Yeah. <laughs> not going to say which one. Yeah, every single faction has a stake. Uh, every single every psychic awakening expansion. So this is going to be multiple books. Okay, so, so it's, it's like just, vi- it's like Vigilus, yeah, except it's going to be multiple. The um, I totally forgot the end of seventh. Yeah, each psychic yeah, so like yeah. all those campaign books. Yeah, each psychic awakening expansion focuses on a different war zone. So basically they're going to So yeah, it is very much the 7th edition war zones. But it's also there to give like I think Vigilus that was kind of the test bed for how's this new uh campaign style going to work for 40k and I think it's been a success for them as far as like introducing new rules and specialist attachments and things so like that. So in essence since it's going to be multiple books it probably won't be all the factions in the first book it'll no, probably be it's going to be a set of factions in each book. Right. I'm hoping the first one is yeah. not going to focus on the same factions that they had covered in Vigilus cuz I'd like to see 
like the groups get updated <laughs> yeah because because i'd like to see like blood angels get some stuff and ne- like do blood angels and necrons versus tyranids because fist yeah. bump time you know <laughs> <laughs> and if that wasn't enough we also get a whole bunch of new models that are going to be released along with these including plastic aspect warriors finally okay i i'm kind of in yeah the, the new plastic banshee looks nice I can't tell a difference. She looks like the old Banshee. But that's, I mean, that's, <laughs> but that's good. It's, you know, it's a good dynamic yeah. pose yeah, and it'll fit, but the scale will probably be slightly different. I hope it's not. Well, it's, I mean, I'll be okay if it's slightly different, but if it's not, if we have to go up a base model, like a, uh, it, it's hard to tell on this model. It, it, it might be a 25 mil. Eldar fit 25 it's, mil with her aesthetic. Not. It's, it, it's a, you think it's a 32? I think it's 32, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, that, I know your pain. I feel your pain. I feel every bit of your pain. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> this pain would be even more, though. Yeah. At least yours aren't on resin bases. That is true. Yours are yours are metal models on plastic. They'll come right off. They're also fine cast models on plastic. <laughs> They'll also come right off. <laughs> after I clip the foot. <laughs> hey, yeah, after this. all their ankles break. <laughs> yeah, but the, here's the problem with all the, especially a lot of the Banshees. That is their one connection point. Yep. So I will have to uh, no. Well, just super glue it back on. It'll be fine. Yeah, mm, walk you, it off. <laughs> you, uh, unlike it off. his resin bases, you could get the the extender rings. Yeah, those would that work. would probably yeah. I'd have to look yeah. into that. Yeah. So then next up, Raven Guard are getting a Primaris character, and this one's been a bit divisive. <laughs> I'm putting it mildly. <laughs> fine. If he if he allows a head swap. Yeah, he'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> I would assume though, because I mean, just Bobby G had a head swap. Yeah, well, he's got his like yeah. helmet on his like on his belt, but I'm assuming that's going to be made so it's like you can choose not glue to clip. Not. Yeah, like or that there will be an option to like clip this on his glue this on his belt or a head that slots onto the like onto the the body. Yeah, that'd be nice. So does that. Does that mean that you could then put the emo head on his belt? <laughs> I think it sh- I think it should. It's like I captured a chaos head. <laughs> so yes, Caven Shrike has got has crossed the uh, Rubicon Primaris and has has become a uh, Primaris Marine and, and very emo and very the, it, yeah the 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 Peter Parker Spider Man three hair is fantastic. I don't think it looks bad. It it. There's a lot of issues that people have pointed out with the model, and I'm some of them I I like. There's some people that just don't like the Phobos pattern armor, on, like for sure. like the Stealth Marines, and like okay, that's that's yeah, that's an aesthetic thing. You know, I I I actually don't mind it, but that you know, but also like the fact that he's got lightning claws and he's holding a pistol at the same time just looks clumsy I actually, he's special i actually really like the like kind of rich lightning claws that he has I, I think that's actually really cool i do like the the style of lightning claws yeah and i like that <laughs> and i i like how the the primaris take on like a full jump pack looks yes like yeah i like the jump the, pack. Uh, i like the armor it's I, like an expanded I, version of like the like, reavers right jump pack or the, like the grab shoot, yeah. No, I like I like that. Um, I like I like the pose. I the pistol's a little weird, but I can live with it. 
but I can under- I understand why people don't like the head. It's a it's a weird style for a space marine. Well, and also to be fair, yeah. if there is a head swap, I'd probably put the helmet on him in too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and also like having a Primaris with an actual beaky helmet is would be nice. Oh, beaky yeah. helmets. Yeah, like cuz yeah, he's helmets. like the first Primaris beaky helmet. I like the beaky helmets. So and people have photoshopped like how it would look with the like taking the beaky head from his old model and like photoshopping it on and it looks fine. It looks great. So I also like yeah. wolf helmets. Let's see. Skipping yeah. Middle Earth, skipping Warcry, skipping Age of Sigmar, which gets not Tomb Kings. Yeah. Yeah. Or I mean, like, they look uh, cool. They look cool. Well, Somebody like, said Primaris uh, skeletons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Undead, undead primaries. Undead. Well, actually, undead Sigmarites. One yeah. thing. One thing I kind of saw when I was looking at them, especially the the Bone Reapers with like the four arms. Uh-huh. I'm like. I bet somebody, Richard, who's really good at like modeling, could like make really cool like uh, skeletal uh, Tyranids. Yeah, that like, like you take like those things and like yeah. those, those popped up in the the Tyranid like group page on on Facebook like immediately. Immediately, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's something that that I would consider doing, but. I still like the people who have yeah. been posting the images of like one of those skeletons going General Kenobi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Next up, Warhammer 40k Legends. So we've been wondering like when is the Age of Indexes coming to an end? You know, everything at this point has, with like one or two small exceptions, like Inquisition and Legion of the Damned, have not been converted over to like Warhammer like or like White Dwarf indexes yet. They're still mm-hmm. only in the original print indexes. When are they going to go away and when are they going to address the when when can we dispense with the flow chart of how do what do we do with options that are no longer in the codex? Or, or at least reduce the flow chart. Reduce the I, flow. I don't think there's yeah. actually still getting away, especially with campaign books coming with new roles. Yeah. You, the the flow chart's not going away. It's just going to get trimmed down, updated <laughs> is it in a book yeah. is it in a hardcover book we currently publish yes you may use it yeah ta-da <laughs> yeah that'd be nice or a white dwarf yeah so with so much awesome stuff on the way for warhammer Forty Thousand, you might be wondering what's happening to some of the treasured older models that previously had rules in our index books while these might not have had a place in our co- or these might not have a place in our codexes anymore we know they they definitely have a place in your hearts Ah. Which is why you'll be delighted to hear that we'll be supporting them forever with Warhammer Legends. Your Imperial Space Marine rules forever. Your chaplain on a bike, you can use them until actual Space Marine chaplains on actual Space Marine bikes are invented in the year 30,000. <laughs> and to top it all off, you'll be getting points, meaning if that's how you like to balance your games, we've got you covered. Every year we review all the points values for all the units in Warhammer 40k. We won't be doing this for Legends. Though once we've assigned them their final points, they won't be part of the ongoing balance review, and we won't be recommending Legends units for competitive tournaments, which basically says all the competitive organizations are like ITC, uh, and I imagine like Adepticon, Nova Open, and like Lord Marshall's conference and everything will probably yeah. decide Legends are not tournament league because they're not maintained for balance. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because they, they say this means that un- event organizers and attendees alike can guarantee everything they're gaming with is easily available and has been subject to the same rigorous balance and playtesting process. Of course, organizers are also free to run Legends events. So, yeah, basically, <laughs> you get your own little event, which I, you know, yeah. I think is fine. I think it's fine. If somebody wants to do kind of like th- – now you can literally have an old hammer event – which allows mm-hmm. like all the old stuff, and then you can have your competitive scene, which is just the new stuff that they actively try to maintain balance for twenty four factions. Plus, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's just crazy well, like, when you for, say it like that. It, for things like uh, <laughs> like the um, friendly events and stuff like that, like this, I would allow this it. Totally works. Yeah. So I, I I really like this actually. Yeah. No. I I think it's fine, and the fact that they are putting and they've done this for Warhammer Fantasy. There are like they've mm-hmm. released Legends rules, and especially as like models were getting their like made to order. This is the last last chance to get this model before we stop making it forever. Yeah, um, you know they've kind of been putting out Legends rules for those. So I think it's time, and I'm and I'm fi- I'm fine with this. I it's a way to address the issue of these are still usable. And unless you are playing competitive play, unless you're playing in a tournament, they're perfectly fine. So here's going to be my question. What about models that come with their own rules that weren't in the indexes? Because those don't fall under the hardback or, or white dwarf Such as? treatment. Like the Bone Singer? Bone Singer, all the new Sledanesh models. I know they posted well, things, those but those aren't in books and they're... They will be eventually. They will eventually, they will be eventually. into books. Yeah, yeah, but like Eisenhorn, for example. Yeah, Eisenhorn I, has rules, and I, and actually, you know, Eisenhorn has been there. Are Eisenhorn rules for Kill Team that were in White Dwarf, mm-hmm. but he isn't part of any Codex in, or and, White Dwarf supplement for forty k. Right. So I have a feeling that Inquisition will probably get one. And like I said, Legion of the Damned, unless they're just going to eventually phase out Legion of the Damned into Legends. Yeah. Which honestly, with the emphasis on Primaris, and because that is from a pre-Primaris, you know, they're remnants from a pre-Primaris founding, there will never be Primaris Legion of the Damned. I could see them kind of fading off into Legends. Either that or they've fulfilled their duty. Yeah. You could basically yeah. say like with the the Psychic Awakening, they, you know, fluff off into the vo- into the warp and they're gone forever so which would make some people unhappy but again legends events so the one thing that's that's kind of frustrated me about the legend stuff and it's not anything that gw has released because this is like hey we're announcing this more details to come like that's what this is i i imagine that you know most of those uh one-off characters because like you've got the road trader minis you've got the S- the uh blackstone fortress minis things like that will probably get printed in like chapter approved 2019 or something um so that they at least have them in print somewhere collated um everyone is there's a bunch of people that are assuming that oh if we don't have a current printed codex rule for this model it's just going away and I don't think that's the case. I think when they announce more details on this, they'll give us a list of like, hey, these models are being retired and they're going to Legends. But like, we're not going to lose Tactical Marines because we just had a book that printed Tactical Marines in it. So I think there's a lot of people that are that read the announcement and kind of jumped to conclusions that I don't think are out there yet. We just don't have the information. Yeah, but my autopsy is like, Banshee masks now. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, the other one I liked is that people were like, well, this means that you can't that I can't play these ever again. And it's like, no, you can't play them in competitive events if they don't let you play them. Which is exactly how the rule is now. If ITC decided that they didn't want to use whatever indexes, then you wouldn't be able to use it. Like it's events are going to have their own rules for whatever they allow in the event. I, I don't see how this is. A, I don't see how this is a big deal for, for people. But. I, th- I think what, <laughs> if anything, it just makes it more clear and makes it easier for people to say, this is what we'll use here. This is what we'll yep. use there. And so, yeah, it's, so it may, it, it's less nebulous. It's like very easy to clear. Like we're not allowing anything that is Warhammer legends only. Absolutely. And now it's like, you can go to GW, see what that list is. And there's gets rid of the ambiguity. And I think that is absolutely, absolutely fine. Uh, now I have seen some questions of what does this mean for stuff? Like how, how does, if they are in fact phasing out indexes, how does this carry over to the forge world stuff? Because forge world, there are no, like forge world stopped printing books. (laughs) I mean, I think they've done, they're doing siege of Terra now, which is like, like they've printed out like, like since eighth edition hit, which of course, horse heresy ignores um Mm -hmm. all they've put out is like one or two horse heresy or siege of terra books maybe i don't know if they've have they even released a siege of terra book for for like forge world i don't not yet i think they announced i think it's just the novel another book coming up i think they've announced another another horse heresy book coming out like next year but yeah i mean the pace has definitely slowed because they've had leadership changes and other issues that have come up on the forge world side i mean since forge world and horse heresy is using seventh edition still effectively yeah i would like to see gw just roll those rules into the gw rules team and be like no here we're just going to include them in i've i've heard some i've heard some talk that the forge world rules for 40k are being handed over to the to the gw rules team well the other thing i'll say on that is even though there haven't been new books or anything they have been keeping them in the balance and updating them in each chapter approved that is true that, yeah. absolutely now how yeah. well they've been doing that is i will uh, still complain <laughs> about the the demon lords with the six 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 seven 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 eight 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 and fifteen hundred because math yeah that's just dumb <laughs> but that was all that's always been dumb <laughs> but it's like how long have we been waiting for imperial armor 14 which was supposed to be the tau versus mechanicus yeah book. uh so long that i forgot about it yeah but i mean they were teasing that with like having actual like pr- you know printed rules for like the town are and such for mm-hmm. your like we've never had an actual hardbound book with town R rules we went straight from a uh experimental pdf to the forge world index yeah now granted the town R has been rebalanced point wise a couple of times since then and i really like where it is now but that doesn't change the fact that I'd like to actually have a book with fluff about it. Agreed. No, and that's what I mean, though, that I think that people are jumping to conclusions like, oh, my God, they're going to they're going to, you know, squat all of my Forge World stuff because it's in an index. No, they didn't say that they're retiring indexes. They basically said we're going to retire a set of models that we no longer want to support. But I that's do, different. But I do. So, have like, a, I, 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 go ahead. Sorry. Go on. Well, so like. I think that what they're going to do is when they release the legends and they put up the Warhammer Legends site with all the rules downloads, they'll tell you exactly what models are included in this. And they may and they may decide to go in and be like take models out of take models maybe out of a codex or something. Be like, nope, this model is now legends. This is the updated data sheet. Remove scouts from your from your you know codex or whatever. I don't know. I, I but I, I think we're going to see something like that rather than 
this, everything that's not currently printed is just gone. Well, I don't think they're going to do that. Well, I, I think it is going to be, though, more along the lines, because like they talk about, you know, Chaplin on a bike is a perfect example yeah. of like, I think you're going to see the indexes, the existing indexes basically being phased out along, especially along the terms of, well, what about war gear? Like, you know, like, okay, mm-hmm. like the commissar with, like, we don't make a model with, like, a commissar with a power fist or something, like, whatever, or power axe, yeah. I think. I, I think power axe is a good example. It's like, yep. you can't have a commissar with a power axe. Well, you can in in uh, in the co- or in the index because there used to be a model where people were encouraged to kitbash them. No, I... And I think that's I probably and going I, to and be I phased think- out. No, and I agree with that. And I think you're right. It is going to end up targeting the stuff from the index. But I don't think they're going to issue a blanket statement that says everything that's in indexes is no longer valid. Like, I think they're going to target and they're going to list out. So, like, it will effectively be the same. But I don't think they're just going to be like, well, all of the Forge World uh, index stuff's gone. No, too. no. And I, I and I think because I think Forge World indexes will be treated differently just because that's the only print run they've gotten. Yeah. Whereas so I, I'd like to see. I just. Ex- sorry. Oh, I just expect that it'll be – I expect it'll be much more targeted. It'll be like, here's what we're removing. Here's where the rules are. Everything else is exactly the same. Yeah. I I would not be surprised, though, if the Venn diagram between what's being phased out in Legends and what is only – what ex- exists only in the index as far as, like, weapon options and such is a damn oh, near yeah. perfect circle. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I would agree with that. But yeah, I think Forge World will be handled differently, but I would really like Forge World to have, like, I'd like to see them put out Forge World, maybe not like codexes, but something a little bit more fleshed. Because like, Forge World doesn't necessarily need a lot of like, like, it's all just expansions to the factions with the exception of like the Titan Legions. So mm-hmm. I don't think you need a lot of new stratagems or anything, but it would be nice to have some hardbound books put out that had like color il- illustrations, you know, like the photos, like the, the really good Forge World photography they do, page of fluff like they do it in the unit description sections of a codex, and then have hardcover print rules of everything, and then maybe do a separate Titan Legions book that then would have stratagems for Titans. Mm-hmm. And then you know just and and then you could retire the old forge world indexes but i wouldn't do it until you have a print version especially because eventually you're going to need like they've got to update the indexes anyway because there's there's a whole section in there of custodes rules that don't exist except for a pdf now right <laughs> so I, and also i imagine there's a number of kits that they have retired that they no longer sell that like characters and such that would kind of be phased out into legends as well. Yeah. All right. And then one more thing, as they said, one more thing, (laughs) two years ago, they made the promise that we would have sisters by the end of 2019 in plastic. And in November, they are delivering upon that promise. And apparently they pulled an Oprah at Nova open and everyone who attended (laughs) the preview, they said the, the preview, they said, look under your chair. And there was a plastic, uh, sisters canonist like the new canonist model for everyone that attended and it looks so good it does and so it's a good model so in november they're releasing an army set which some people have i've seen the comment of an army set with 25 models that's a start collecting box which it is you know but it's also going to come with a the uh, special edition of the sisters codex so uh it's 25 models and it comes with a unit of 
plastic battle sisters, Seraphim, a penitent engine, the new Canonus. They showed pictures of like the new uh, Repentia and Mistress of uh, Mistress of Repentance, and they look fantastic. The new sisters models look phenomenal. the The penitent engine is looks like a nice plastic updating of the original design and it yep. just looks like it's still in a 60 mil so i'll be able to use my old ones alongside it and they'll look <laughs> compatible like they'll look like they belong together yeah um, yeah no the new models look fantastic uh as richard alluded to i'm not looking forward to rebasing my resin models or you know my resin ba- removing my resin bases from my metal models because i love dragon forge stuff but they are all hand hand cast and one of the things about hand cast is you do not get manufacturing precision like you do with like <laughs> just stamping out plastic bases you know from a machine so uh so they're like they like i especially learned this when i was putting them in the movement trays for apocalypse <laughs> they fit like they none of them don't fit but you can tell some are snugger than others some are like not they're not 100 percent like perfect mathematical circles so extender rings may not work well on some of them so i'll have like I, i'll probably buy a batch of extender rings and like it's resin i could probably file down the sides to smooth it out a bit do a little bit of filler but i'd like i really don't want to rebase all my sisters plus i'll have to get new storage trays for them because 32 mil bases don't fit well in 25 mil spaces so <laughs> so there's just there's a lot of issues for existing sisters players that's a minor that's like first world problems right there though it's a relatively minor bitching point for the fact that we're getting this army available in plastic which means it'll be available to new players to people exactly who, who like yeah. at currently a sister squad costs 80 dollars in metal <sighs> yeah being able to get now, I granted this will probably cost like sixty dollars in plastic because math and yeah. and uh, math and economy and Brexit and all that goodness. Have fun, England. Um, that whatever your feelings on on are on Brexit, like I said, we are not a political podcast, but I will say you are you have you are now living in interesting times, and I'll just leave <laughs> it at that. But uh, which is also probably one of the reasons why some of their prices went up recently is because they're mm-hmm. kind of hedging for the future. They don't know what it brings, so they kind of have to assume worst case scenario. They are lucky, at least, that they manufacture everything in country, pretty much. So yeah, at least they've got that going for them. So yeah, Plastic Sisters are like we've seen them doing the like this like previews of all the like the models as they've been doing CAD design on them. And now they're we are actually seeing them produced in plastic, and yeah, I think I think uh, that might work well. I think I'm, I'm 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 excited for it. Yeah, and it looks like the they didn't change the design aesthetic no, very much, they, which they, is good. They kind so. of expanded on it a little bit yeah. because they could do a few more details than they could before. Um, and there there's some nice touch like. One of the the nice touches, and it's a purely decorative thing, but like I like the uh, the flamer sister that is standing on the burnt pile of who knows what it was before she set it on fire. Uh, right. <laughs> also, I think it's interesting that we're seeing a lot more uh, helmeted heads in the sisters. So we're seeing a lot more sabat pattern helmets. Yep. So sisters learn to put a put a lid on, keep their heads safe. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, so there's also like a variety of hairstyles and stuff, which is nice because it's not just the, uh, the the bob cut. <laughs> yeah, there's a variety of styles. There's you're seeing more variety in faces. Like there's there's a sister that has an eye patch. There's yeah, there's a couple of different yeah. haircuts, especially like if you watch the video that they did, they they preview a number of those. And yeah, so there's it's the same aesthetic, but with the expanded options that a, a plastic kit produced in 2019 can can provide, which is is just great. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what's in the codex because I, I imagine the codex will also have photos of like the other new kits that they're going to be releasing eventually, like we've seen in like the Space Marine codex and stuff like that. So I'm like, I'm hoping we get probably a new Exorcist. I'm hoping we get a new like they'll probably they might revise the emulator kit. I don't know. The emulator kit actually still works decently well in plastic, but like a new ex- plastic exorcist kit would be great. A repressor, if they ever want to bring that back, would make me very happy because that's one like by the time I got into sisters, <laughs> you couldn't buy them anymore. Um, and so I know some people have like been recasting or doing 3D prints of like here's the conversion pieces, but uh it'd be nice to actually have an official one with like a, a revised aesthetic. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I am excited to see it. I, I have a mighty need to get this army box. I imagine it'll sell out fast. So I'm not looking that whatever Saturday they announce it, I'm going to be sitting on the GW site waiting to press the button. And if they, (laughs) if hopefully it'll be, it'll be up for pre-order before Renegade open. Cause I don't want to have to be there at Renegade waiting to. To open it because that's also the same weekend that like Adepticon opens up, and I'd like to actually go to Adepticon next year. See, and I think I did that for the Juan Diaz Demon. Yes, it was at a Renegade. We, yeah, we were at Renegade, and you're like, okay, I need to order these and these. <laughs> so, so yeah, November in uh, in two months, we're getting Plastic Sisters. I am excited. Ha! Ah, that is our news and new releases. Well, I guess there's also let's see, is there anything else? I mean, we've got Adeptica or. Imperial uh, Aeronautica Imperialis coming. There we go. That's yep. the one. Uh, so that's coming. But that is again which one of we these, saw. You know, you saw those yeah. at Gen Con, and they've they've done the uh, yeah yeah, and they've done the like the how to play with Becca Scott video, and it looks like it's a it's a hex based movement system rather than being just like it's not quite X wing, but also I like that the bases have like wound counters built into them and have their firing arcs already like. Ed, like molded into them so which is going to be interesting to see p- how people are going to paint the bases considering it's got the little dials with the numbers looks like already painted on them people have to cover those up if they paint up the bases mm-hmm. well the thing i like about it too is that it's the uh, same scale as uh titanicus so i wonder at what point you're going to get ba- limited like a uh, epic rules like crossover and stuff I think that's kind of a cool, cool idea. Well, and I'd like, and while Titanicus is not quite the same game as Epic, uh, I do think it's interesting they brought a lot of the Epic rules into the new version of Apocalypse, mm-hmm. which has made me appreciate the, the, these large scale, like large action games a bit more to the point where I started picking up Star Wars Armada <laughs> because like. After playing, so after playing New Apocalypse, I'm like, okay, setting orders and alternating activations, like, okay, this works for me. I think I like this, and I like Star Wars, and I like Armada. And the thing that kept me out of Armada was the cost of entry, which is hilarious because I play 40k. But <laughs> but that's well, why I couldn't have aff- one. That's why I couldn't afford to get <laughs> yeah. into Armada. And uh, <laughs> then somebody locally was selling an Armada corset for half price, and like, yoink. So all right, yeah, I've got. <laughs> we all have problems. 
I'm just what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We've all got a problem. Ah, and so with that, that is the uh, that is our uh, news and new releases. So let's transition over to listener mail. As always, this question and others like it are provided by you, the listeners. And uh, if you want to know how to get your letter or question read on the air, we'll tell you how as soon as we're done with this one. Uh, and this one comes from Matthew Ellinger. Matthew writes. Hey, Preferred Enemies. Long-time listener, and I've always loved the podcast you guys produce. Listening to Preferred Enemies was my diving board into so much more lore and 40k content that I can listen to at work and has really expanded my enjoyment of the hobby. I was hoping to pick your brain on how to try and get more enjoyment out of my Imperial Knights army and not crush the fun out of my local beer and battle night. Bit of background. I am a primarily mono Harlequin player. Lots of very tiny, expensive units that die to a stiff breeze, but have so much mobility and are great fun to play. However, I do feel that they are a very intense army to play mentally with every mistake potentially causing half my army to die. (laughs) Dennis is here nodding emphatically. (laughs) (laughs) The learning curve was especially steep, and I wanted to have a separate army that felt different, which I know those feels. There's a reason why, like, my first go-to army after playing Tau was Corn Berserkers, (laughs) which then I was like, "Mm, but I want something a bit more well-rounded. Here, Kevin, have some Corn Berserkers. Yeah, and I just ate that corn up. Yep. Corn flakes up. <laughs> Eventually, Imperial Knight seemed like seemed like the perfect counter to that in playstyle, and I dived headfirst into it. However, I feel that there's a stigma against playing knights in a casual setting, even though I really enjoy them. I've built out backstories and named each knight and play them differently based on that. <laughs> My typical list tends to be three gallants and two crusaders. By avoiding taking the guard battalion for extra CP or dropping one gallant for two helverins, resulting in three more CP, I feel I'm already taking a couple of steps to bring this to a less optimized level. I just don't want to get to the point that I'm having to tell my potential opponent that I'm bringing knights as that's how you get 30 hellblasters against you when they can tailor their list. Any advice on how to play knights narratively in a friendly setting? Thanks and keep up the great work, Matthew. Well, first off, Matthew, I'm glad that we've kind of opened your 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 eyes and ears to a whole new uh, universe of 40k entertainment and material out there. So that's awesome that we can be a springboard for that. So playing knights without being that guy or being seen as that guy. It's like not even this being is a-, a wonderful question. Yeah, this is a really good <laughs> one. Um, knights are a, knights are a big scary army, and there's a lot of armies that have tr- like if they're not prepared for knights they have a lot of trouble dealing with knights so it's understandable why if somebody says oh you're you're bringing knights i will bring the 30 plasma you know bring the 30 plasma executioners on my hell blasters because i need to melt your face yep. and i think that that's where it is is if i just built a casual list i have maybe one or two units that might have one or two guns that can hurt a knight and i think that's probably where some of the stigma comes in where if I know there's going to be knights, like a special out of tournament, you pack more of those heavy hitting weapons. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's kind of both players have to kind of agree that, yeah, I'm not going to just fully pack against knights, but at the same time, uh, then some of their units just aren't effective other than objective grabbing. Yeah. I mean, to, to some degree, this is also... You know, this is this is obviously the biggest example of the kind of rock, paper, scissors nature of 40K. Like, yes. I bring knights, and you bring harlequins who don't have, like, great counter knights. Okay, well, it's going to be, you know, I'm going to roll over you. Or I bring knights, I bring a complete melt army, and you destroy me in two rounds. There's also other examples of this, though, where it's like Tau against corn. Like, okay, if I can somehow get into your lines, the game's over. Uh, otherwise, you shoot me off the table. Or... You know, thousand suns or gray knights against 
a Tau army or Necrons that don't have any psychic defense. So this is obviously the most kind of uh, obvious like example of it, but there's a lot of that kind of imbalance that already exists within 40k, and I don't know how to really get rid of it other than just kind of talking to your opponent ahead of time, as you mentioned, Dennis, and be like, all right, I'm going to bring this, but I'm not going to bring like a super optimized night list. Don't bring a super optimized counter night list. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like social contract stuff right there that yeah. may or may not work out. Because, um, I mean, I'll, I'll say we even had some of that at our friendly at Midwest Conquest is people brought knights. I mean, they were oh, like orc, yeah. orc knights. They are beautiful. <laughs> yeah, but there were some yeah. people that were just like, oh my gosh, I have to play knights? How friendly is that? Because yeah, that stigma does exist. It does. And some of it's going to come into what like what you bring like for example looking at matthew's list of three gallants and two crusaders those are all all knights that are they are kind of specialized knights but like crusaders are extremely shooty gallants are extremely fighty you like the crusaders are going to stand back and shoot the gallants are going to run forward and hit and whatever the touch is pretty much going to die whatever like whatever it is there's a reason that, like, competitively, Crusaders are the new uh, Castellan. Like, no, it's yeah. like after the Castellan went up yeah. in price by about 100 points, a lot of people are like, okay, I'll just switch it out for a Crusader, put out a lot of shots. It won't be quite as deadly, but it's got a little bit more mobility if I need to move it. And that frees up, uh, like, a couple hundred points worth of stuff that I can pad out the rest of my army with this even and then swapping a gallant for two helverins helverins are scary <laughs> helverins put out a ridiculous oh, yeah. amount of firepower the armagers are just <laughs> all really good they're they're almost as scary as the knights I, themselves. well thing is like if i was going to swap out a gallant i would swap it out for two warglaves instead something that has to get a little bit closer but they're still armagers but they're still armagers <laughs> but yeah. both armager things are yeah. but i but good. i think the hell the helverins put out a ridiculous amount of firepower at range because those the the helverin autocannons are just crazy yeah so it's it's kind of an example and and I'm going to throw this out there, and I know I'm going to get pushback on it, but I'll, I'll throw it out there and then kind of explain it. If you're trying to play more like friendly and like make the army you know, feel a little bit more easy to play against, maybe taking like a battalion of guard or space marines or bringing something else with it will make it feel more friendly. Even though, yes, obviously bringing Mechanicus with it and you know, or bringing you know the the lucky 32 is the competitive move to get more command points. What you're also doing is you're giving you're taking knights out of the army, so there's only three instead of five, or you know two instead of five or whatever. But you're also then giving your opponent things that they can target regardless. So like bringing now obviously don't ma- don't min max it to get the lucky thirty two, but if you bring like fifty guardsmen or something, you know, and a couple of tanks or something, at least there's other options on the table for your opponent to target if they don't bring a list that can take out knights. And at least it might be it might actually be a better list finger quotes, but it would actually your your opponent will probably have a better time playing against it. Yeah. I mean that that is, you know, definitely a, an option like I I have I once I finish painting up the the warden that I'm I'm kind of rescuing, I will have one two I think I'll have Four, well, I'll have five because I'll have I've got the Obsidian Knight too. So, uh, so I'll have like five Imperial Knights. I run an army at like the army I ran last year at Midmo, and I ran at uh, um, 
uh, Iron Halo before that was basically three knights, a, a gallant, a crusader, and a paladin, and then a battalion of sisters. And the while yes, it's a knight list because it's also like the sisters component, especially then you know the sisters codex was okay. It wasn't we don't know what the new <laughs> one's going to look like, and I think it w- it'll be better than the beta. But uh, <laughs> the, the beta is not good. Um, the um, you know that list's like nobody looked at that's like oh geez. I mean, granted, it's a competitive setting, but it was because yeah, because I had to have other things in the army that were easier for people to deal with. It gave yeah, it's like it gave mm-hmm. people a list of targets, and and they could basically decide you know if they foc- if they decide to focus on my knights first, I still have other things, especially for doing things like holding objectives and things like that. I think. Uh, having having more flexibility in general is good, but yeah, I, it's like I understand the the motivation to be a mono faction player, but knights is one of those where yeah, playing mono faction knights can get unless you are in a competitive scene where everybody knows knights are a thing you have to be able to deal with, and so everyone they don't necessarily tailor their list to fight you specifically, but because everyone figures okay, knights, I have to have a means to kill one or more knights. They are going to be mm-hmm. coming, you know, armed for bear. In this situation where it's a friendly environment, maybe, yeah, cut down on the knights a little bit. Um, guard is fine. Honestly, Mechanicus is fine too, depending on what you take. Like, again, you, what, like you said, Kevin, don't optimize that extra battalion. Yeah. But throwing other options out there and like mix it with Space Marines or Inquisition or something, you know, take the, uh, you know, uh, and I don't know what your model collection is. Obviously, if you've got, I mean, the other option, too, could be if you want to play, if you want to tell your friendly, hey, uh, your player, like, hey, well, let's play open or narrative, take some of your Harlequins and be like, hey, I'm going to run a night and a couple units of Harlequins or something, you know, just to just so that there's something out there on the table that's not just a knight that Repl- they have to stare Replace down. your knight with Wraith Knights and run those with your Harlequins. Oh, that would not be good. <laughs> I mean, it would be fun, hey, and, I- but <laughs> they would all die. I, I'm just saying it's an alternative. <laughs> it's an alternative that no one will be like, oh, that's broken. <laughs> no, they'll say it's broken well, in a different like it's, way it's, when it's lying on the ground all smashed up with no wounds. <laughs> well, and it's it's a weird thing with knights because they're in a really odd spot that if there's a stigma against playing like pure knight, even though pure lists are not good, <laughs> you know, yeah. pure knight lists work, you know, knights work best when they're paired with something else. But at the same time, if you're trying to not optimize it, Pairing it with something else at least gives it at least, you know, it at least gives you that feeling like, okay, it's not all is lost because that was that was one of the conversations we had about like the friendly tournament at Midwest was, well, if you're only bringing knights, then I need to have something I can feel like I can kill. And I'm like, yeah, but if I let people bring a battalion they're you know of guard they're going to roll over people. Well, but at least then people feel like they can kill stuff. And it's it's just that weird balance. Um, And I think. I think if you're going to play pure knights, you kind of just have to deal with that stigma mm-hmm. um, until you get enough people in your local area that know how you play and know what type of games you're looking for. Or, like I said, you, you may have to just throw in another faction just to get to the, you know, to, to make it a little bit easier to play for other people no. so that they're getting fun out of it, too. Yeah, I, I think you said the key word there, Kevin, is knowing the play group. And I mean, if people play against the knights and you say that, I'm bringing knights and they bring all the hell blasters and whatnot. 
they'll get bored of that pretty fast and they'll, they might start tailoring their list to saying, okay, yeah. well, I know you're playing Knights, but I know you're going to play this. I'm going to try this, see how it does against the Knights. And it's more like, like Rob said Absolutely. earlier, the social contact of just building a rapport with the players in your area. Mm-hmm. And if you're worried about like, oh, I don't want to yep. be seen as take, like I'm taking a battalion to be a CP battery. Maybe do something different. Take Dark Angels or White Scars and take an Outrider detachment. You're only going to get one CP for it. Mm-hmm. And like, I, like, I could see, like, I'm going to swap Ooh. out, like, one of the, one of the Gallants and a Crusader for a bike army. Yeah, White Scars. I guess Dark Angels have Raven yeah, Guards. Yeah, do those two. Yeah. So, yeah. Do, that would give you some mobility, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would have the same, if not better, mobility as, Can like, you the Gallant. Like yeah, you do like bikes. <laughs> but, like, and the White Scar stuff. <laughs> and, and the White Scar stuff, like, the, the new White Scar stratagems are really good for bike armies. But, again, if you're not having a ton of CP, now you're having to make that tactical choice of, do I spend my CP for my knights? Do I spend my CP on my bikes? It's like, which one's going to get me the most punch in this particular mm-hmm. situation? And... You've got units like, oh, well, you've cut down the number of knights, and now I've got bikes to deal with. You're still kind of playing that same aggressive style where the knights or the bikes are kind of taking the place of, like I said, one, one or more of the, the gallant knights, but are also easier for somebody to deal with. So suddenly yeah. that it's like, okay, yeah, you've got the hellblasters that are shooting in my knight, but are you ready for the bikes that are about to charge into your face? <laughs> Maybe you're not. You know, so it's like, <laughs> That's an idea. Like you, there's option. I think the fact that we have options beyond just the standard battalion gives you I, things that you can mix in that won't necessarily be a CP battery, so won't be quite as uh, optimized for competitive play, but will still give you something where it can kind of soften that stigma. And I hate, you know, I hate that the answer to, well, how do I, how do I get people to play? How do I play pure knights and not have that stigma? It's, it's like not play pure knights yeah it but i hate to say it but yeah. right now that's the that's or, the option <laughs> or yeah. another idea okay is go the other way and try and run a night joust get other people to join you in playing knights oh yeah yeah you've got five yeah. knights right there you and four friends play a fight like a free-for-all <laughs> night joust yeah yeah and that then, would be awesome. Yeah, and then then go back to playing your Harlequins and getting your ass beat. Oh. <laughs> Harlequins can be good. Kevin's killed you with Harlequins. Tony is really good yeah. with oh, his. Oh, yeah. Tony Thibault is really good with his Harlequins. Yeah. So, yeah, no, Harlequins can... But, but uh, Matthew's right there, an unforgiving army. No, you have to think through every move. Yeah. And plan a couple steps ahead. Yes. Knights are a lot more forgiving, <laughs> but that's also one of the reasons why people... They, because they can absorb a lot of yeah. error... Uh, that's yeah. another reason why there's a stigma. Some people see it as an easy button, especially that like with the, like when the Castellan was the big oh, thing. Oh yeah, it, it it was it was too obvious an add in. But yeah, uh, but yeah, look at. I don't know if there's a way to make a pure knight list that people are just going to look at and and not have that feeling of oh you're playing pure knights because it it's one of the issues with having super heavies like that in standard 40k is that you have to mm-hmm. build to deal with it. And if you are if you are known to bring that, and people know they're going to play you, they're going to play that. Which the other possibility is to swap around and when, like, alternate sometimes, and like, don't let people know what you're going to bring. But again, that is the social contract of setting those expectations and knowing your play group and and working with them. So in a casual environment, social contracts kind of part of the you know the name of the game. Mm-hmm. 
And if you have a question you would like us to re- read and answer on the air or a letter or anything like that, uh, there's three good ways to do that. First off is emailing us. Our email addresses are ourfirstnames at preferredenemies.com. So Rob at, Kevin at, Dennis at, Richard at preferredenemies.com. Another way is our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash preferredenemies. Uh, you can like us there, follow us, message us. Uh, we post what we're doing, things that are coming out. Uh, new episodes, things like that. So you can uh, get all that news there. And then third is our Twitter account, which is twitter.com slash preferred enemy singular. Uh, and you can message us there, write posts, set, like we post, you know, alongside our Facebook posts and such. Uh, so you can keep up with us there as well and contact us. And we take all those together, collate them and put them into the, you know, put them in the hopper for getting through in the next episode. And we also have a Patreon if you want to help support the show. And this does things like help us go to various events. So, like, for example, over the next couple of months, we have, uh, well, we've already had, like, Flying Monkey and Show Me Showdown. And now we've got Iron Halo coming up and Midmo Maelstrom and Renegade Open and and then LVO after that. Uh, your contributions via Patreon help us make that possible as well as making our, uh, making it possible for us to, to keep our equipment upgraded. It's one of the reasons why Kevin sounds so good because he's got a uh, blue Yeti mic. It's why we were able, and, uh, as we are, you know, move through the world, we will be able to have stuff so we can do more remote shows and things like that. So you, you, our patrons make, so our patrons make that possible. So I want to say a big thank you to all our patrons. And, uh, we in fact have four new ones since our last episode, uh, where we read out our patron list. And that is our new patrons on Patreon are Tommy Rust, Jason N, Darren Law, and Megalars, which is just awesome. Megalars. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to support us, we are at patreon.com slash preferred enemies. And, uh, it's basically just an online tip jar. We do not, uh, lock any of our episodes, uh, behind a paywall. There's no, like, Patreon only feed or anything. So d- don't feel any obligation. Uh, we don't hide anything from you. Although, uh, as we roll out swag and such, uh, we do make that available to our Patreon patrons because you know as a way to uh make it worth their while and kind of say thank you for supporting us and we always sell that stuff at pretty much at cost to us so uh it's not it's not there to make additional money for us it's there as a way to say thank you so uh keep an eye out i think i'm going to be talking with uh with uh battle cap markers about possibly getting some uh preferred enemies uh objective markers done in the style of our midwest conquest ones which were really nice so uh so keep an eye out on that uh and like i said it's uh even if it's just a dollar a month, enough people put in a dollar, it really adds up and it really helps us out. So thank you. So let's go ahead and take a break for sponsor identification. And when we get back, we're going to talk about your questions to us for episode 200. See you in a bit. Miniatures. We build them. We paint them. We love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Care Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40k, 
X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the Battle Mats from Game Mat. They're professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a Game Mat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding Gboard portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back, and that means it's time for our main segment, which is your questions to us for episode 200. These are not really rules questions. These are just questions that uh, that our listeners, both on Facebook and Twitter, sent us that they would like to hear about just our take on things. And so I'm going to kind of run through this list. Some of these may actually end up spawning episode ideas down the road, uh, but uh, we're going to kind of give the short, short, sweet version on these. Uh, so welcome to our episode 200, Preferred Enemies Spectacular, as spectacular as the four of us ever get. Yay. <laughs> Yay. This, this one's going to get self-indulgent, so just strap in. <laughs> our self-indulgent episode yeah. tour. <laughs> Mindless self-indulgence. All right. Yeah. First question is from uh, James Brown. Hit me now. Uh, but uh, James Brown, actually, he actually has three questions, the, so I'm going to kind of break them out. First one is, why not tell us your favorite gaming moments, be it from tourneys to beer and pretzels at somebody's house? And this is also repeated by uh, Reese Evan Lewis, who asked, I'd love to hear about your standout moments from games and hobby, good or funny, such as a guardsman, y'all love guard, right? Taking the last wound of a knight or the opposite, a knight opening up on a lone soldier who heroically survives, much to your dismay. <laughs> favorite moments for favorite gaming moments um you want to start i i can go with probably the oldest one uh-huh um man this is, i think in 95 95 uh, 96, so, 96 probably. probably so about 20 some odd years ago yeah um yeah rob you and i were playing at a tournament uh-huh and i was thinking <laughs> about college. this one if this is the one i'm thinking about i was thinking it about was. this on the way in i don't remember I don't remember the guy who was hosting it. No. I don't really remember much about it. And we borrowed armies. We, bar- yeah, we borrowed his armies. Yeah. Um, and you, you were, we were all big about the death spinners. But no, you th- lobbed a grenade at some of my orcs and Gretchen. Uh-huh. And we, we didn't know how it would work. So he said, oh, well, if he rolls like, an, well, I think it was like double ones, it'll go off. And you did. And then I lost all my guys up there to the grenade. And then it was like, man... <laughs> But it was just so much fun, and like I said, I don't remember anything else. But it was just like that ultimate rolling. Oh, oh, I remember something else from that game. 
The that was that, that was the game where you charge like your Gretchen and Orcs oh, yeah, at yeah, me, and I had like the V of uh, Warp Spider set up, and you just because they were all template weapons at the yeah. time, you just like charged into this nest of death. Yeah, I I kind of <laughs> miss the Warp when they took away Warp Spider templates that that made me sad. But and they took those away before they took the templates away. Even. Yeah. But no, that that was just one of the memories I had of, of an early, early, early game that did kind of get me into the thrill of, oh my gosh, anything can happen in, yeah. in this game. <laughs> I remember uh, it, something very kind of similar, but uh, we were playing like it was like one of my first games. And I had I kind of just threw on the table what I had from out of like the Black Reach box plus the big mech with the shock attack gun yeah <laughs> and the shock attack gun i was it was like three of us i think it was i think it was me dennis and and our friend tim and like tim was over off to the side and i was shooting at you with the shock attack gun and then it scattered right onto tim <laughs> I was good with and, that, he, I and he predicted that it would happen <laughs> he always predicts bad things are gonna it, happen uh, to him all right and this time he was right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kevin, you got one? So I actually have two quick ones. And uh, kind of funny that they mentioned uh, like the night, like unloading on a guardsman. I had basically a similar situation happen up at uh, Pulp Fiction. I was running uh, my Necrons. And this is fifth edition, I think. Maybe sixth edition. Like it's it was before Necrons were like good. But wraiths were still really solid. Um, and they had like that three up in phone and reanimation protocols and all this stuff like that. So I charge a unit of – oh, no. Actually, I was – sorry. Dustin was playing the Necrons. This is how long it goes. It was Dustin was playing the, the wraiths and I had a unit of Terminators. And we charged into each other and like my Terminators charge into his wraiths. And you know, at the time, like the wraiths had AP you know, zero you know, non, non-AP attacks – uh, unless you rolled sixes and then they got like AP and ignored armor and stuff like that. So Dustin rolls first because Necron, you know, they had the where they got first over the power fist. He rolled five hits, rolled five wounds, no rending wounds. So five two up armor saves. I rolled five ones and lost the whole <laughs> before I even got to swing. This reminds me of like a game Richard and I had at the start of one of the editions when you brought your Grey Knights and I was playing Eldar. <laughs> and you doomed everything. Oh, yeah. I doomed everything. And, and you were like, I only have to like fail 18 rolls. And I think I only made like 30 rolls all game. <laughs> right. <laughs> he just his Terminator was a Grey Knights Terminators. They yeah. were just world ones like crazy. Well, because I had to make twice as many saves as I should have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The other really funny, like, standout moment, and I believe I was playing you, Richard, uh, down in Dennis's basement, and or maybe we were playing a, I think we were playing a doubles game. And or was I was it the playing story my tag, game? You were playing oh. uh, Tyranids. No, this was down in the basement at one point, and I don't remember anything else that happened in the game, and I think the Tau ended up losing. But point, I had a single gun drone. Going up against a zoanthrope, I think. Oh, they got yeah. into melee with each other. Yeah, yeah, that was here and in the basement. Spent, they spent six rounds of combat. Yeah, swinging the, and missing the, at each the other. whole game. The whole game, and like neither of them did anything. <laughs> That's because neither of them have arms. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> They're just headbutting each bonk, other. Bonk. <laughs> 
And I just remember like, this is the funniest, most pathetic thing I've ever seen on a game table. <laughs> I, I remember what actually one of the, one of the most destructive things I was, uh, playing my orcs in a tournament up at Pulp Fiction. I was playing against a knight's army. And this was, I think, 7th edition. And they were using, like, a number of the Forge World knights, like the one with the shield. Oh, the Lancer, yeah. The the Lancer. Mm -hmm. And, like, like, I, I had just moved up into the center of the board to where, like, I had moved as far as I could so that hopefully next turn I could make some assaults. And, like, he just comes up with, like, three knights and attacks and charges into Gasgol. And then Gasgol proceeds to murder the Lancer, <laughs> and then the Lancer explodes and then falls on his other two knights. <laughs> leaving all the rest of my hordes of orcs unscathed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that, the Gaskell story reminds me of one it, one of the very first tournaments we played in at, at Pulp when it was downtown Lee Summit. Uh-huh. And I was playing against an orc person, and she failed the morale test on Gas Because I don't know, because I think he was attached to a group. Mm-hmm. And he was there with his leadership 10, and they'd taken enough, and this was before Mob Rule and all the other fun stuff, because like 5th edition, maybe 6th, I don't remember. Yeah, I think 4th or 5th edition, yeah. But she failed the morale test when Gasgill was attached to that squad of boys and Gasgill went away. Yeah. It was, it was kind of sad. So I've, I've also got a couple. <laughs> um, one is from fifth edition because it was before the introduction of, or it was before the introduction of the, our weapons are useless rule when uh, a, a model oh. that could not hurt something else could still there. stay in combat. It was, it was the fire warrior that ended up locked in combat with your defiler, Dennis. Or, or with a defiler. Maybe not even your defiler, but it was with a defiler. And they went back and forth for like five rounds of combat. Fire warrior couldn't scratch it, but it kept missing because yeah. demonic possession makes vehicles stupid. Yeah. No, it might have been mine. I don't remember that, but I do remember that time in the game where yeah, it's just like- it just... Super... Not super heavies, but the heavies, like the, the defiler and things like that, just did not have enough attack like if you put a mob against them you would just lock them up and then you could just forget about your mob of things because it might kill them in the course of the game or it might not because if it misses because there's yeah, basically, too many of them but i tarpeted the thing with exactly because he couldn't choose to fall back right it's like because that wasn't a thing yet <laughs> yeah it's like you're we're just locked in so yeah enjoy that and but it's like one fire warrior should have been pasted very quickly but no, he held fire warriors are amazing i mean <laughs> i still remember fire warriors decimating my harlequins i remember fire warriors getting into close combat with i don't i think it was the incubi or some no it was the the battle suit got an incubi but i also remember <laughs> losing a solitaire in overwatch to fire warriors yeah. that was a pulp i remember that yeah it's just yeah fire warriors are, are a thing yeah <laughs> and then uh, my other one is actually relatively recent. It was from last year's Iron Halo, and that's when I had my Knight Gallant um, attack a uh, Tesseract Vault and crush the <laughs> Satan inside to death. Because, <laughs> like, hit with like hit with the chainsaw or hit, you know hit with the Reaper chainsword, got it down to like I think I hit th- ended up doing three wounds on, like three wounding hits on it, so that took like eighteen damage on it. And then this was before they added the errata where you can you like you can always break out of death grip on a six. 
So hit the hit him with because the gallant's got the the gauntlet. So hit it with the hit it with the gauntlet hit, or hit it with death grip and just grabbed on and just held until mortal wounds crushed the thing to death. And it was, <laughs> I mean, it, it was just one of those cool moments. And of course, the way the tesseract vault is modeled, it's like you can just imagine him just like cutting off like one of the 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 leaves of the thing and then just reaching and grabbing the satan and just squeezing it until the uh, star goodness just ju- gooses out or juices out of it <laughs> so no there's a, th- that's one of the great things about this game is you just get those moments of whether it's like amazing victories or just like how the hell did i fail this <laughs> but they still make for good stories uh, next story, uh, or next question from James. Generally speaking, we know what armies you all play, but why do you play them? And what, well, and what fun, fun times have you had with them? I think you've kind of just heard some of them. We're like, we've had a lot of fun times with them. Like, why do we play the armies we play? Um, and I know between all of us, we play most of the 24 some factions in the game. <laughs> Not all of them, as everyone so, loves to point out that we love guard. <laughs> so, so sit back and get some popcorn. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm going to cover all of them. Oh, I can go for all of mine. It, I only have like yeah. seven. Only seven. <laughs> <laughs> we have pro Like I said, when I was talking about how much Armada I've been picking up, I'm like, I, I've got Well, a the nice thing about it is once you have an army. You want more. <laughs> well, no, you, you're pretty much done. I mean, unless they release more models like they did to Slash here. Yeah. But I guess I. <laughs> To start out, Eldar have always been my favorites in the 40k fluff. Because even when in college, when we played, I mean, I had to play Space Marines and Orcs because that's what the battle box had and I had, like, no money because I'm in college. Yeah. But I always, like, dreamed of, like, Banshees and Swooping Hawks and the Harlequins, which were part of the Eldar Codex back then. And that's what I really wanted to play. And, well, then got out of college, out of the game, and then went on my way. And then... It was, I guess, we, Rob and other people here. Yeah, we dragged you back in. It's like, look, you, Apocalypse has come out. Here's guys, a box of, of jet, jet bikes. bikes. Because the, the, the story behind that, too, is back in college, I played Legend of the Five Rings card game. And I played the Unicorn Faction. was all about Calvary. So I was fast, mobile, and deadly. So they said, here, you like Eldar. Here, here's their jet bikes all in one box. Merry Christmas. Come play with us. Yep. That's what we did. <laughs> and so and it worked. <laughs> it, it worked. And, I, and Eldar is definitely my biggest faction. And, I, and that I was, just, what, 12 years ago or so? Has it been that long? Uh, I know it's been a while. Because 2007, like... That's 12 years ago. Yeah, winter, like <laughs> January yeah. of 2007 was when I got into it, and that Christmas is when we. Okay. Yeah, so 2000. So, so that, that's years. my story on getting into Eldar. Um, Dark Eldar was a, a different thing, was. I, I don't, I'm not going to say this poorly, but I got tired of like losing a lot, and Ard Boys was coming up, and Dark Eldar was the next hotness. So. Um, hey, we've all done it. Yeah. So I. I <laughs> I mean, I had some Dark Eldar before, but that was when I went all in. I had all the, like, the guys with the blasters and the venoms and, and yeah, I, I, I advanced in the Ard Boys tournament because I played to the, um, broken meta at the time. Um, half regret it, half don't because I have a huge Dark Eldar army now, uh, cause I, I've got a bunch of the vehicles, got the flyers, got that. I just don't play them enough to actually, feel like they're they're really being used but uh-huh. i still like them but yeah i got into them because of our boys um slanesh to be perfectly honest i got into it because of juan diaz uh, <laughs> and we'll just leave that at there <laughs> leave that right there well i can go on the, the thing about slanesh though was this was also early on in in my 40k career where i had eldar and then i was going to branch out into slanesh yep looked at the codex pointed out 
everything so I'd have a 1,500-point army. I was going to stop there, which I did for a few years. I did for a few years, and then they released the chariots, and they released the kind of ex- each time they expand it, I've expanded my collection. And also then, um, Zrachniel, I bought it the first, um, well, first and only games day we went to. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was a huge thing too because like ha- yeah, having a Forge World model was like, oh, was so like that was fun. the cool thing. Yeah. And then let's see. So that's of those three Harlequins I just got into because, well, finish the Eldar. Up the Eldar. Yeah, finish up the Eldar because I am our Eldar well, player. Well, you liked Harlequin oh, back in the day. Yeah. And- uh, they would always be a nice little supplement to my thing. So when, when we got to, when they came out as a faction, I really just had to buy the vehicles and jet bikes because I had plenty mm-hmm. of the other guys other than getting better poses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's those Four, yeah, yep. Harlequins, Eldar, Dark Eldar, Slanesh. So then Space Wolves, if I got into Space Marines at all, that would have been the faction I would want to play. Mm-hmm. Um, roommate John, who was also a former host on here, um, he played who? Space Wolves. <laughs> and, before your time, Kevin, Before your so. time, Kevin. <laughs> and he, I mean, he really got into the, he enjoyed the game, but then as life happens, um, his life took him in the other direction. He got married and stuff. He moved out and he stopped, um, kind of playing 40k. So kind of to keep it in the family and kind of whatnot, he, um, sold me his, um, space wolves. And so I had inherited his collection and then it probably doubled. Yeah. What's you've, over you've there. expanded upon oh, it. Oh, it's been expanded a lot. Um, but you've had fun doing it. Too. Oh, I've had, I, I, I like the space wolves. I mean, I'm, I have my sadness is. Some of the old things that space will, like long fangs. I loved the long fangs. I love the lore behind them and all that. And they just don't seem to be as useful. Now. I mean, the whole they thing used was, to be the thing. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. them and the rune fang or rune priests. Uh, they had a lot of cool stuff. But then the wolfen were neat. I, I enjoy the wolfen, but terminators, space wolf terminators were amazing. And now terminators just don't see the table, just because. And so that that's my. Sad part about Space Wolves is they just... Hey, but you got to bring them out for a ride yesterday. Oh, it was fun until they, like, died to lots of orcs. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, the story of anything that's, like, until it died to lots of orcs. But, yeah, yeah so, so Space Wolves were pretty much the, the relic from John. Um, Death Watch. Death Watch was one that I loved the fluff on because I really couldn't settle on one faction. But I love because the role-playing game. I mean... You bring yeah. all the factions together, and together they will form an elite squad that hunts out the Xenos. I'm like, oh, this is this is really cool, and they had cool weapons. And unfortunately, I mean, and I think Kevin, you were the first one into it when you got the box, and I saw the models. I'm like, wow, yeah. those guys are really cool. Well, because yeah, because when I picked that box up, it had um, it had it was Death Watch and El- and Harlequins, yeah. and we bought it, no. it and split the box. No, I don't mean that. And box. I took the Death Watch the, side the, and the, took the, the previous one, the first one, yeah. which was which the you and I split with the Gene Stealer cults. Yeah, that had the, all the named characters nice. in it. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was the one that it kind of inspired me. Then when you got the box, I'm like, yeah, I'll get into that. I saw that too, and it's like Death Watch is really because, and once again, it's. Mostly for the fluff, but then somewhat for the models itself. All the models and fluff together, probably. And then at the time, this was before, like, you started getting two wound models. Primaris is kind of watered down how useful Death Watch is and the fact that their good weapons are more expensive than the models themselves. It kind (laughs) of, yeah. It's another one that I would love to see more, play more, but they just, 
they're more narrative and not competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's see. I guess we're going to Custodes. Yeah. Which Talons of the Emperor is what got me into Custodes. That and they were just. I love the gold. I know some people want to paint them black or, or this white or other color. Like no, I, I love the gold. Um, and that's what drew me. That and just the models look amazing. The models are fun to play on the table. They do have the issue, like you guys said, with once you lose them, um, yeah, your army's hurting, but oh, they're, 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 they're very, well, I want to say they're beginner friendly because it's hard for them to miss shots. It's hard for them to miss in melee. It's hard for them to fail saves. So all of them make them that, but then once you start losing them, your, your army's going to crumble. Yeah. But. Yeah. Just the and I I would I want to run Sisters of Silence with them because Talons of the Emperor box and there's I another one that, that needs a, a White Dwarf Index yeah or just roll them into and uh, they won't go into the Custodes Codex but I mean uh yeah but no well like, we're in 2.0 territory now so who knows <laughs> that is true because yeah maybe they make a Talons of the Emperor Codex as opposed to a Custodes Codex yep. But no, is, is that all seven? I think yes. that, yeah, so that covers it. Four, Custod- <laughs> Custod- Death Watch Special. Yeah. So those are my seven armies and kind of what got me into them. Some of them were, were people, some of them were lore, some were um, just the models look friggin' cool. So um, I'll go ahead and take the next one. Uh, so my armies, um, Tau, I got into that. Tau was my army that I came back to the game with after. Because like when I was in, in college, I briefly flirted with playing space marines and i started working on like on a space marine army and then ended up like kind of like you got out of college didn't have the money for it got into doing like more card games and stuff like that so it's like i'll just i sold it off uh but when i came back in 90 or not when i came back in 2007 um tau was the one it's like that they didn't they had a different aesthetic than everything else it was kind of high tech uh, anime fan jokes aside, <laughs> uh, it's just something. Giant robots are cool. Well, we were into anime at the time. Yeah, we we, well, we still are. <laughs> I still am. But uh, uh, you know, just like the battle suits were cool, and it just it was something also that didn't exist when we first got in. It was a faction that, that was true. added much later. So it was like, oh wow, this is cool, and it's something completely different. And also the idea of a of a faction that is not completely grim dark <laughs> it was kind of i mean they've the since good. they've they've since kind of adjusted that so it's still not they're still not as ni- nice and shiny as they were before but they're still you know it's it's a very just different army for for the 40k universe so I, and i just also the play style is fun like especially back fourth edition the whole like fish of fury thing where it's like you run for the devil fish pop the fire warriors out the back they shoot under it and then to charge them you have to go around the devil fish it, it was cheesy but it, it was a neat neat strategy but and jump shoot jump jump shoot jump was super good mm-hmm. i miss it a lot but uh and, and just like as they've expanded the line and the suits get the, the robots get bigger and bigger. Now I have the biggest one of them all and it is fun to play. <laughs> um, and so that's that's Tau. Uh, next would be uh, Chaos Marines, specifically Slanesh Chaos Marines. Uh, no, Sonic Marines were cool. Uh, There's something about just I, I have a thing for villains. I, I like I like I don't like villains and like i totally get you no but it's like you need good like a universe needs good villains and so something about playing like one of the bad guys was appealing and like i tried doing corn marines at first and they were just too 
monopurpose for my tastes. So after that, I got into Slanesh Marines and like noise blasters, sonic weapons. The idea of sonic weapons was really cool. And uh, then that also expanded into uh, bringing in because that was when Chaos Demons were just an add-on for, summonable. for yeah summonable add-on for Space Marines or for Chaos Marines. So that's where my Slanesh Demons come from. Uh, so that and also Juan Diaz. I'll just <laughs> <laughs> um, if you don't know what we're referring to, look up old uh, look up like fourth, third, and fourth edition uh, Demonettes. Uh, kids don't do this without parental approval. But you know, just the aesthetic of the aesthetic of these, like they're not big, beefy, like muscular wrecking machines like a lot of creatures are in in 40k. They are seductive, sinuous, but also like wrong, <laughs> like all sort, like not like all sorts of wrongness, and and just like that sense of like the the again the the whole excess aesthetic worked really well. Um, then after that, let's see. I wasn't to Black Templars for a while because it was just it was a Marine army that played differently than other Marines. Uh, but I don't have those anymore. Uh, let's see, Sisters. Uh, Sisters was an army that I was always really into. Like again, it was just like a neat aesthetic. It was something completely different. Uh, but it was a very hard army to get into by the time we got into the game because the metals metals were expensive and a lot of them had gone out of like if not out of print, they were very hard to get. You couldn't just like pick them up in stores. Uh, until a coworker of mine was like, I'm cleaning out my garage. You want to buy some? And I'm like, you want to buy what I've got? I'm like, what do you want for it? 200 bucks. Yes. yes <laughs> I, and that was, uh, that was at least 1500 points of sisters right there, possibly more. And I've exp- kind of like you, Dennis, I've expanded it since then and probably doubled it. But, uh, but, and then, you know, they rolled out the new Celestine and that's been fantastic. And now I'm excited for the sisters line. Uh, Death Guard was that was kind of like i had already started picking up sl- some nurgle demons be- to because slanesh demons just don't have the staying power so it was kind of a nice uh counterpart to that and then that led into death guard because especially because i didn't re- like i had some death guard but i really started picking up on them after the uh after eighth edition came out and the uh the new models for death guard are fantastic um and then the last, my most recent one is, well, and then I got Knights, like, I had one Knight when Knights came out, just because at that point, just like, it's an add-on. You don't run a whole army of Knights. Why Why would anyone do that? Matthew? <laughs> 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 I'm just teasing, man. Uh, but, uh, and then I started getting, like, more Knights, and like, oh, yeah, these will go together nicely with my sisters, kind of provide them with some of the, the, the punch that they need. And so that's how the, my knights have expanded on that. And then finally, uh, Blood Angels. I wanted to have a Marine. I, I want to have a Marine army, but I, and I was like, which ones do we not have amongst us? And we don't really have anybody that locally plays Blood Angels. Um, and But I'm also doing like Death Company and Primaris only. I'm not using like any of the older Blood Angels. So, uh, just doing a very different flavor of it. Now that one is still in the process of being built, so I can't say I'm a Blood Angels player yet, but I'm working on it. So, so that's my last <laughs> one. Richard, um, uh, well, I started with orcs because, wah, because <laughs> that's all you need. To they're, say. <laughs> yeah, they're they're goofy and fun and all scrapped together aesthetic, and that Black Reach box was just. <laughs> ridiculously good deal. How many of those did you pick <laughs> up? Five. 
<laughs> he lost count. I lost. I it was did. a fantastic box for Orcs yeah. players. Yeah. E- even after they raised the price on it, it was still good. Because it was, what, 60 bucks when they first dropped yeah. it, right? Yep. Oh, God, it was so such a good yeah. deal. And then from there, I w- even before that, I'd always thought that, like, the Tyranids looked cool. Um, and I just instead went with the easy money way of the Orcs because of the Black Reach box. Um, so when I just decided I wanted another army, I, I started with getting, you know, some Carnifexes and a Hive Tyrant and, like, the big creatures, because that was, like, a popular build with Nidzilla right. um, back in 5th edition. But then, like, that was back in the time when Codexes only came out, like, every, like, six to eight months and so, like, the rumors had started that Tyranids might get a new codex. So, like, I put off, like, actually putting anything together or buying anything extra and waited until the 6th edition codex came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they, they were just another one that I, I liked the models aesthetically. That's that's the main reason for me it is is models be cool yo yeah um, <laughs> and then let's see after after tyranids was gray knights which i i started like converting some of the like marine the marines that i had out of one of the black reach boxes <laughs> into looking like gray knights i remember with like the plastic card psychic hoods and stuff like that yeah um and and just kind of had like a unit or two of them that I had like cobbled together and was like, this is neat. I like them. I definitely don't have enough to actually play an army of them. And then the fifth edition codex came out. <laughs> and I was like, and like a whole new line of plastic models for them. So like I had to, I had to get those because that, that medieval knight helmet. Oh yeah, is just I, I think really cool on <laughs> again on the space cool, marine yeah. <laughs> on the space marine models. So. Also, didn't you mix Inquisition into your Grey Knights because that was part of that and, codex? And that was yeah, that was another thing that like because Inquisition was in that codex. I also bought like a bunch of other a little bit of actual Inquisition stuff, but then I, like, converted a bunch of, like, Inquisitors also out of uh, just other Power Marine I remember bodies. you plasticarding a lot of shields. Yes. <laughs> Those looked really good, too. Yeah. And then, uh, let's see, what was after that? Like, you've flirted, like, you've got a little bit of, like, Death Guard stuff, you've got, got a little a, bit of Necron. A little bit of Death Watch. A little bit of Death Watch. Uh, a lot of... Uh, uh, like Death Watch is just kind of because oh well I I already found somebody to split one of the one of those uh, Death Watch boxes with me for the the Gene Stealer cult half that I wanted, but I, I don't know that he wants another one, so I'll just buy a whole box myself, <laughs> and now now I have Death Watch. <laughs> and, and this too. was pre me getting into Death Watch; otherwise, I could have uh, split that. Uh, right. Well, and I guess Gene Stealer Cult would be the other one that you and, got. And Gene Stealer Cult, because that was just an extension, uh, of just Nids. an extension of Nids. So was was a thing that, like, I always thought like 
lore-wise, that was a cool army like idea and like the old the old old models like you couldn't really find anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, except on like eBay, and a lot of them were really expensive. Right. Um, <laughs> but I was like, yeah, I, I I think that would be really cool to have those, and and they brought out new <laughs> models <laughs> that looked really cool. <laughs> I, I'm seeing a theme with this: is new codex, new models look cool. We get into. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right. I think that's all yours, right? Yeah, and then like. I have some Necrons, and I don't really play them. Just stuff, just, uh, like, just dabbling with designs and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> and then Kevin, you who have the... We know you so, have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I... I kind of... It's kind of a combination of Richard and, and Rob's story a little bit. Like, I like models. I like the design of models. Like, oh, this is cool. I'll pick it up. But there's also, like... I like deals as well. Yes. Um, so I, I started with Tau. So uh, initially, um, Brady, one of our friends who uh, on on our old podcast, um, wanted to start playing uh, Warhammer Fantasy, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'll I'll try this. Like, it looks interesting. The models look cooler. You know, I was like, all right, that's cool. And then we got into that and. I picked up some high elves and we started looking at 40 K as well. I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't really like the design aesthetic. I don't really like, you know, I don't, I don't know. It seems like Warhammer in the future. Eh, I don't know. Um, we started, you know, we started building our fantasy stuff and playing and then realized that nobody else played fantasy because at the time, you know, unless you had 15 years worth of fantasy miniatures, you couldn't really play a game. So we started looking around and we found other people that played 40 K and stuff. And, uh, so I started looking cause I think it was when, the APOC boxes came out, you know, and I was like, well, okay, there's some good deals could be had. So I started looking and I was trying to decide between Tau and uh, Tyranids because I really liked the Carnifex model. And, but I also really liked the, you know, the, the devil fish. So I kind of looked at this and I'm like, well, if I'm going to play a fantasy, you know, 40 K game, I'm going to play an alien race. And I just kind of settled on Tau, not even knowing that Rob also played Tau. Oh, and the Tau, and Apo- also, the, the Apocalypse boxes back in the day, the Tau ones were stupid good deals. Yes, they were stupid good. But it's also funny because, like, Rob and I ended up basically picking the same paint scheme for our Tau armies. <laughs> more more <laughs> or, or less, you know, like slightly similar, different shades. More or less, yeah. Like, different, you went different blue, like a green. bluer shade of green than I did, but yeah. yeah. But completely independent, and it was like, cool, nobody else has Tau. And I come to an event, I've got this green tower on me, and then Rob comes up and he sits down his green tower on me. And I'm like, well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I played Tau for a long time, like the end of fourth edition, all of fifth edition, and didn't win my first game with them until the first game of sixth edition that I played against Richard, yep. where I shot his orcs off the table. Which I still think that's interesting is I could beat your Tau. I still can't beat Rob's Tau. I, I think it's because I'm a bad player. <laughs> I didn't up. say that. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> no, I'm saying that. Uh, to, to the point that at one point when I was playing in fifth edition, I was playing uh, Dustin, who's playing his Necrons up at the store. And we'd had the conversation before, earlier in the day, like over Facebook, like, hey, want to play? Let's meet up at noon. And we were trying to decide between playing 1,000 points or 2,000 points. And we settled on 2,000 points. So we got up to the store, we played. We were playing the uh, 
missions, like the missions rule book that they had. So we're playing like some weird kind of like castle defender mission. And uh, we're going along. And after about an hour into the game, Dennis is or Dustin's just kicking my ass. And he looks up at me at one point and because the game's going so poorly for me, he looks at me and actually says this to me and goes, you brought 2000 points, right? Because he wanted to make sure that he wasn't just stomping me with like twice the army. And I'm like, yeah, I fucking brought 2000 points. <laughs> just just keep doing whatever, you know, it, it Tau was a it was an uphill battle for me in uh, fifth edition. So I started looking to see what I wanted to do, but I didn't want to spend <laughs> I didn't want to spend the money on buying a brand new army. <laughs> um, and so then I came Rob, along. <laughs> yeah. So Rob had his had the uh, corn berserkers that he had had. And it was like a case, you know, a case of just infantry and a few characters. Um, so I bought that from him and I started playing that and I instantly started winning with them. So I was like, well, shit, this winning's way more fun than losing. <laughs> well, and it's also totally different. Uh, Instead of shooting, you're now punching. It, that's exactly it. It was a completely different aesthetic and it was really fun to play that just different style of army. So I kind of oscillated between the two of them. And then in uh, and then they released like the new uh, Tau Codex, and basically at that point they released new Chaos Codex, I'd buy some new stuff, they released a new Tau Codex, I'd buy new stuff, and kind of just went along with that. Um, and I had a few things here and there, like I had some Death Watch Terminators that I'd picked up, because like, oh, I like the models, and they're cool. Um, you know, and just a few things, not uh, Death Terminators. Um, there's a few things here and there, but it basically was just those two armies. And then Dustin decided to get out of the game, and sold off his rather large uh necron army his blindingly for, yellow necron army yes <laughs> which yeah i need to that's one of my projects is to take that army and repaint it um not not that i don't like the yellow color i just don't it doesn't need to be that bright so that's kind of where i got into like started getting into like oh this is gonna be a project army that four years later is still basically the same as it was um but uh, basically dustin got out of playing got out of playing his Necrons and just sold it to me for a ridiculously stupid deal. And then from there, like as the new boxes came out and like they released, uh, like they released dark vengeance, which had, uh, dark angels in it. So I had some chaos, you know, space Marines from that. And then I, you know, then they released, uh, the dark Imperium, which had, you know, primaris Marines and death guard. And I just kind of started expanding these armies and as they release like a new box, like, oh, cool, here's I have a start of a Death Watch, a Death Guard army uh, or they release the Death Watch box. I'm like, oh, those are cool. I'll pick that up. And I've got a Death Watch army and I just keep expanding them. And then like the other the project I'm working on right now uh, is. So as part of like I wanted to start getting custodes when they released the 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 30K boxes. And I was like, well, okay, well, I'll pick up this. And then I kept finding like good deals where it's like, oh, this box is $100, uh, but this store is selling it for $70 or this store is selling it for $50. So I kept buying these boxes and I have like six or seven of these boxes now. And I'm like, I've got a bunch of 30K Marines that I need to do something with. So that's kind of how my current uh, Alpha Legion project started is I just had a bunch of, you know, I was collecting uh, Sisters of Silence and Custodes and just kept finding good deals and now I have a pile of 30k marines that I need to do something with. So, so yeah, deals and aesthetic, deal and, yeah. and occasionally winning games. And occasionally winning games. <laughs> yeah. I occasionally win. It's been a while. It's been a couple of years. 
<laughs> I know you did. Well, or I guess no, it has because like it was uh, what uh, Flying Monkey three years ago is when you like our yeah yeah uh, yeah. Um, well, okay. Let's let's see. Yeah. So I finished. I've had a, I've had a couple like top sixteen finishes at like Renegade Open uh, the year before that. Flying Monkey right at the beginning of Eighth Edition. Since then, I have won one, two. Yeah, two games. I've won two games, forty k since then. So what you're saying one. is you're not completely winless. I'm saying I don't get a ch- I don't have time to play as much as I want to. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair because I well like I haven't played uh, the last game of 40k that I played was at the LVO friendly. Oh, we'll get you back into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. One more from James Brown. Biggest of all, what would you guys love to see for the 40k community? Not only from GW, but from the players. Do you think we as a community need to come together more for the game, or are we fine as a whole? Ooh, that's a that's an open ended topic. And again, that's one that could spin yeah, out into its an own episode. That, that's an episode in and of itself. <laughs> so I've got a couple ideas, and I'll keep mine very brief. But I think the community needs to come together to f- tighten up the rules on cheating, yeah. and I because I think that needs to be eliminated from the game. Um, and it's and we are working on that with streaming conduct rules and things like that. I think that's one of the biggest things because if the game is not seen as if competitive forty k isn't seen as clean, then it's never going to grow, and it and the and hobby it taints the whole hobby. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing that I would personally love to see is I would love to see the growth of non competitive events, and yes. we're trying to do that with our friendly and narrative events and night joust and stuff like that. I want to see more of that because I am not a competitive player anymore, um, and I'm not good at the game. So I want to see other ways where people can have fun and show off the other aspects of the hobby. Yeah, I'm kind of with you because my mine was going to be I'd love to see people take the game a little less seriously. And what I mean by mm-hmm. that, it's not it's not that the game like I'm not talking about the people who like pour energy into like doing the hardcore hobby work or that are really passionate for the game. No, no, that's that's fine. I mean, there's that. I mean, we do this podcast because we're we love the game. Right. We're passionate <laughs> about it. Like there's there's a lot of media producers that are really passionate about it. There's People run like the reason we have events like Nova Open and Renegade Open and LVO and Adepticon and stuff. Like, there people are passionate about the game, and I don't want that to go away. And some of that is has to be t- taken seriously. Where I'm talking about it is the is, and I think this ties into the cheating. Is there's a I have a concern that there are players out there, and I'm not I am not trying to yuck someone's yum. I understand that, every, like people, I've, I've mentioned this on the show before. People play games for different reasons. Uh, there are people who mm-hmm. their fun is competitive play. They enjoy pushing an army to the to to see how far they can take it. How finely can they optimize it? Uh, you know, how like can they avoid making any play mistakes? Can they learn to optimize on their opponent, like to pounce on their opponent's play mistakes? I mean, that's that high end competitive play where you know there's little room for error. That is how some people work. It's like. Richard loves Dark Soul games. Yeah. Loves Dark Souls, Bloodborne, stuff like that. I can't stand them. <laughs> I've tried playing them, and they frustrate me because that's not why I play. But that doesn't mean that they're bad games, and it doesn't mean that Richard is a bad person for playing them. He's a bad person for other reasons, but that doesn't mean it's not about but it's not about the the way he enjoys gaming. So I'm not saying competitive players are bad. Absolutely not. I go to competitive events. I play in competitive events. And I also play in non-competitive events. I try to balance it out because that's what works for me. What, I, what I'm concerned about is the people that put their – like I think we need to get away from putting our own self-value 
into how we do at the game. And I think that's where the cheating starts to happen. And whether that is uh, an issue, yeah, like whatever issues mm-hmm. underlie that, I think we need to t- sometimes we do need to take a step back and remember this is a game and we should be here having fun however you have fun with the game but remember at the end of the day we are a bunch of people pushing plastic soldiers around on a tabletop and as long as we keep that in mind however we choose to play that and as long as we as long as we kind of remember the social contract and i understand like there's some people that balk at that idea of a social contract and saying it's not my responsibility for making sure you have a good time it's not my fault if you don't have a good time and no, you don't have the control. You don't have a con- control over how somebody does. Like I can't make right. like if I have a game against somebody at a tournament and they they've had like they're zero and like we're going to round four and they're zero and three and they're like nothing has gone right for them all weekend. It is not my responsibility to baby them into come on have a good time, but it's also not my job to try to make their weekend worse by being a jerk to them <laughs> so and let's face right. it cheating regardless of where you are is a is a is a jerk move <laughs> there's there's no positive connotation to cheating and unfortunately there are pl- we have seen players who don't need to cheat cheat and the reason is because i think more than anything else they get to a point where they feel like they have to come out on top or else they have failed somehow and the I think in some some cases it's just a, a, a failure of personality. Some cases it is just they they give in to that pressure of I've got to be the best because this matters so much to me. And I think there there's a level where passion can get poisonous, and that's where I like let's pull it back mm-hmm. a little bit. And I think if we do that, and that also carries over to like online communities, people get like you know, we sit, spent a, a part of the the episode here dogging on like the new cave and shrike model and a few details like like i think the pistol looks kind of silly and the haircut's kind of kind of goofy but there's people there are people to this day who get very very angry about the existence of primaris marines there are people <laughs> like there's a there's a group on facebook called the rage of sigmar which just exists to repost people's angry comments about the existence of the game age of sigmar <laughs> And it's funny to read, but at the same time, it's like, God, I hope these people are just trolling and taking the piss because if they're not, there's some people that get really, really angry about stuff that really, in the grand scheme of things, isn't that important. And I think that's, that's where I, that's my, always my concern for a community. And as long, but fortunately, I think there's a lot of voices in the community that are also trying to make sure that, hey, part of this is we, we're chill. We have a good time. Like, all the, the uh, competitive events I've gone to and the tournament organizers, even the ones that take the game very seriously as far as like competitive play, like the Flying Monkeys crew. I mean, they are, yeah. they are very hardcore competitive players for the most part. They also know how to have a good time. And they also know that part of the good time is like, we, you know, it's like, let's keep things chill. You know, that's like, there's no reason to get upset. There's no reason to get into shouting matches. And Bam Bam will be one of the first people to tell you that he used to be that guy that would get super salty. And like he, I think he was, he left like the first Iron Halo. We, you know, the first Iron Halo, I got to play against him. And like he had a bad round later on and he basically rage quit the, the tournament. He's not that guy now, but it took him a while to kind of like get to that point. 
And as long as we can remember, like, hey, in the end, this is a game. We can play it hard, but let's remember it's a game. Then I think we're all good. And I think that's, that, that would be my concern for the community. And, like, where, what I would like to see the community change at. And I think we're making inroads there. It's just getting there. Yeah. I guess I'll go off the wall, but sort of building off of your two guys' statements is I would love to see more streaming and more Twitch. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yes. kind of fun to watch Jason do stuff over the weekend. Hi, Jason. <laughs> I, I followed you and you didn't know it was me. It was great. <laughs> Stalker. <laughs> I know. Even, hey, thanks for following. And I was like, ha. Um, but, um, <laughs> no, but once, and he does some good things that I, I kind of wish would, which GW or other people would kind of build into things is I love his, his set objective markers because yes, they're, they're a, like, instead of being, here's the point and here's the, the whole thing, instead of being within three inches of the point, here's your three inch radius thing. This is the point And this is, as long as you're on this, and, cause it makes it easy to see. The dice he uses, he has them use, are easy to see. Because they're like the big casino dice, right? Yeah, and they're they're yellow. They're not bright red. Yeah, they're they're bright. They're bright so you can see them. And that makes it interesting to viewing. And I I would love to see, well, if not him, but I mean, whoever else does the streaming, do things like that to engage the viewers. And so then that way, I mean, streaming is a thing. There's a lot of people that aren't really watching television anymore. A lot of people get their content from watching YouTube streams, Twitch streams, other mm-hmm. things like that. So it is a media thing that's going places. And, and I'm glad Warhammer's, you know, they've got their Twitch stream and they've embraced that. And yeah, let, let us continue that, that trend. It's because it, it opens it up to a whole new audience too. And, and nothing is Jason, because I love what you do, Jason. More people. Because I mean, the more you have, I mean, it, there's tons of events, tons of other, I mean, yes, it'll, it won't dilute the audience. It'll just give you more options to watch things. Well, like, for example, like, I appreciate everybody that listens to this podcast, and this is the only podcast you should listen to. But at the <laughs> same time, like, the, the hobby is better for other people also providing alternate perspectives. The 40K hop, uh, podcast community is better for the more voices we have. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting, like, we came in at a time when – there were like there were some voices, and then a lot of them went away for some reason. Or, you know, life happens, and now we've had it. But since we started, there's been a resurgence, and there's a ton of them now. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's it's good to see. Yeah. yeah, and you know, does it mean sometimes less overall users, listeners for us because we're not the only, you know, like we're not one of the only games in town? Sure, that's fine. Like I've seen our our listener numbers; they they've dropped a bit over the years. And also, I know like some of the tracking algorithms have changed and try to you know try to get more accurate. So, do our numbers look as big as they used to a few years ago? No, they don't. But I also know there's a lot more competition, and there's a lot more shows that focus on different aspects. You've got shows that focus entirely on fluff. You've got shows that are focused entirely on competitive play. You've got uh, shows that focus entirely on how rich people. Rich people play 40k. Hi, Carl. And <laughs> <laughs> love you, Carl. <laughs> but like, you can get different, like, different feelings of how people play 40k and different, different takes on it, different aspects of it. And that's fantastic. Yeah. More voices and yeah, more Twitch streamers, more games from more places because different areas will have different meta game, you know, different meta environments. Uh, some places like, uh, an, a, the stream from Nova Open would be very different from the stream from LVO because they're using different missions. So 
different yeah. army builds are going to be better. And, well, and, and also stream competitive versus stream narrative games. Mm-hmm. I mean, narrative games would be very interesting yeah. to see there, too. Confession time, I have never actually watched a 40K game stream. It's okay. And the reason, and the reason is I tend not to have the attention span for it. it, it, It's like watching golf. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's very slow. I can't watch golf. I mean, I will say it it helps. And on Jay, he's got the commentators. So they're, they're, he, he's doing some of the more common things that you see on, I watch a lot of Twitch now. I don't watch a lot of TV unless it's sports. So, um, yeah. And what they do is, you're not just kind of watching the game. The the hosts are actually like interacting with the viewers because you'll have the chat on the side and and they'll be talking and like mm-hmm. I think Bam Bam was on one of the mm-hmm. um, yeah he he's been a color con- yeah. color commentator for them before and and just hearing them go back and forth because they'll talk about the game that's being played right there and they'll talk about okay this just happened kind of like you'd see in a sports thing yeah <laughs> but then they'll also go back and just talk about the general narrative of either that game or the the general meta. And I know, like, a lot of times after the game, like, I, since, since he streams at a lot of the events I've been attending this year, um, like, he'll talk with the players afterwards and kind of have them on camera. And of course, yeah. they're all wearing headsets. Post-game so. interview. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, pour one out for uh, Jeff Robinson, who was, like, basically a major commentator. And he came from, like, the StarCraft, mm-hmm. like, esports environment, and uh, then transitioned over to 40K and... Well, I mean, he was still doing like esports commentary, but like he was, he was both an active 40k player and GW brought him in to be a commentator on a number of event streams and of course lost him to a sudden health issue this year. So I don't know if it, I mean, that's big shoes to fill for somebody to step up, but we need, yeah, more commentators, more people to, cause he also was able, from what everything I've heard, was able to make the game very interesting to, to watch. And, and, and to. truthfully, and I'll, I'll go back for other things. I loved Heroes of the Storm. I loved it because it was a fun game to me, but the commentators, when you were watching it, is what made that game. Mm-hmm. And so here's a call to people who, who enjoy the game, have a passion about it, talk about the game just on yourself, and then if you can find a streamer that needs a commentator, do it, because the, the more entertaining personalities you have as commentators will make these streams more entertaining, and that can get more people to watch it. And more people watching it might get them more people interested in playing the game, which kind of makes the circle happen. And if uh, you think that, well, I'm not good enough at the game to talk about it, you don't have to be good at the game to talk about it into a microphone. We are living proof. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like as a kind of confession thing, part of the reason why I've been watching more of the 40K streams is Jason keeps asking me to jump in on Shoutcast. Um, and I've been reluctant to because I'm not comfortable enough with yeah. like the ITC missions yet. Yeah, he's, but like watching the games and stuff and seeing that, I'm like, it, it looks like it would be a lot of fun, and I will probably try to, you know, to do that at some point. The the other part of it too is that right now the two hour time difference sucks because yeah. getting up at like six in the morning to do a shoutcast is uh, not rough. Something I want to do on a Saturday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's asked me to. He's asked me to do that, and the main reason I've begged off is like I've never watched a 40k stream because I, I. So, yeah, I I need to I need to do it. And it's also finding that like I finding the time to to watch one, which actually gets to one of the questions we'll get to later. But it's hard to fit that into my schedule, and especially it's like I can't watch the streams at Iron Halo because I'm playing. Although I'm hoping you get to be on one of the streams. Because we'll, we'll see. I I'd would, like you and Nathan need well, to have that needs I, to be round one I, on the streaming table. I've 
I've asked Jason about that several times because honestly, like, and don't don't take this the wrong way when I say this. I want part of talking about the diversity of streams is I want bad players on the streams too. <laughs> no, <laughs> because what ends up happening is what ends up happening is you end up following the top table at this event. So like at Show Me Showdown, like Ben Sherwin was on there like two games in a row and Matt Root was on there two games in a row. And that's good. It's good to see those players. You learn a lot from them. But at the same time, I also kind of want to see how like bad players play. <laughs> well, and, and to, to your point, I mean, we think it would be hilarious if that did happen because, well, both of us have finished dead last in two major tournaments. Yep. So yes, yeah. at each other's <laughs> events too. At each other's events, yes. Yeah. Yes. So, it, so it would I've be, been, and I am I've the reigning pushing. wooden spoon holder. So so, take do, that. are you going to defend that title or get ready to pass it on? <laughs> I think I'm hopefully going to pass it on. But we, we're, I'm looking at my army right now, and it's I'm not as confident. Even with the the new addition of the new Slanesh models, <laughs> it still just looks like too few models to be able to survive shooting. There's 16 more you don't have there. 16 models, yes, yeah. only 16 more. That, that's that's <laughs> any anyway, you'll 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 be fine. You'll be fine. That windspoon will be yours. You'll be fine. <laughs> 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 All right. Next one. A letter from Gabe Dia. Oh, sorry, Richard. I cut you out. Sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> no, I, actually, I you, you're you're talking about like the streaming games and, and everything, and like one of the things that I've kind of wished for and would like to see more of and like generally i'll go to youtube to get like hobby and and actual like technical like mm. tips and and things and but i know there are some streamers out there on twitch who just do hobby streams uh-huh. and that would be cool to see yeah. more of those yeah um there's a couple of good ones locally uh, hana hanabi is a local mm-hmm. like local to the KC area. I think she's actually a regular like tabletop games. Uh, she has a stream on Twitch. Yeah, there's there's some, to, but yeah, there's again more diversity in streams, more diversity yeah. in voices, more variety. Okay, so now moving on. Now that I haven't cut Richard out, <laughs> Richard. Well, he's he's busy putting together Warcry models, and I like he he was like in the zone. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, next from Gabe Diaz. Uh, this is another one that will. Pro- probably spawn an episode so i'm going to kind of cut it down it's like i want you to sit and look through the additions you've played through the positives and the negatives of each and where the game stands and what could be better that's like a multi-part series oh, yeah that's man. a lot <laughs> so so the note i'm cha- i'm gonna i'm gonna compress this down into one and say what's your most and least favorite edition of the game um i can tell you my most is probably eighth there's a few aspects that occasionally I miss a little bit from previous editions, but I think the positives of eighth outweigh any like any of those losses or negatives. My least favorite is probably seventh, just because seventh hit a point of bloat of, of bloat. And eighth eighth edition, I'm I'm. A little worried that they're kind of getting back into that, oh, but the rules are streamlined enough. It kind of, kind of combats that a bit. But also seventh, there was no power balance. Rem- there was n- remote, no remote balance in seventh. So, like, because that was the days of like formations that just gave you free stuff, mm-hmm. and that was yeah. that was very bad for the game. So I don't. 
that that was I think seventh. While there's a lot of things I do like about it, it had some of the worst excesses of forty k, and so that one's my least favorite. Eighth edition because of the streamlining and because everything is kind of unified and um and and yet they've managed to keep things kind of flavorful, but but actively trying to keep it balanced. I it's probably my favorite. I I don't like copying whoppers, but I'll probably agree with you on both of those. Eighth, because it's the most fun we've had in a long time. Mm -hmm. Seventh, I just got tired of the bloat, so that would probably be my least. But I still have curiosity. And this is something we talked about as a a series many years ago, but we never got to it, which was playing a game with the same army in each edition. Do you remember we talked about that? Because we have all the old codexes. We just never had the time for it, because time is a problem. But out of the old codexes, I am still curious about how second edition. It's been like over 20 years since I've played it. Mm-hmm. And so I have curious, cause I mean, that was a crazy time when like troops had to be like 50% of your army. You could only include certain HQs if you were above certain point thresholds. And <laughs> I mean, it was very fantasy. The funny thing is with my current collection, the only army I could actually play in second edition would be sisters. Cause the others didn't weren't around. <laughs> Uh, I, I guess I could play Death Guard a little bit, but a lot of the models I use didn't exist then. Um, Tau didn't exist until 3rd edition. Right. Uh, Blood Angels, I'm playing Primaris, oh, so they yeah. didn't exist until 8th edition. Yeah. Um, I could do my Noise Marines. Like, my Slanesh stuff I could use most of in that from, uh, from 2nd edition. So, okay, I've got a couple of options. But no, that would be fun to... And I've, we've got, like you said, access to most, like, I've got the Chaos Codex. I've got the, hell, I've got the Blood Angels and, and I guess I could borrow Tim's old Blood Angels because that's all standard. True. So, (laughs) no, I, I'd be down for doing that sometime and just kind of like play a couple of games of like old school second edition. Although the tricky part there is like, it's not just having the codexes, but also like the war gear cards and things like that because a lot of the the war, you'd have to know what they are, but Yeah. yeah. You don't have to have the yeah. physical card. True. <laughs> uh, I just mentioned I you have Dark Millennium. The Dark Millennium box okay, well, sitting Richard. in my... Yeah, don't worry. Warrior cards. And then, yeah. then Richard could bring out the, the cardboard dreadnought. Hell yes, cardboard yep. dreadnought, baby. Cardboard dreadnought. <laughs> oh my... I think it's laying down now, like it's not in its little ba- two little base bases. So I'm not sure exactly where it is. Well, that's fine. <laughs> We're just more making fun, but yeah, it's just the curiosity about the old editions. I think we've forgotten so much about them mm-hmm. that it's hard to remember what we really liked and what we didn't It'd like. Be, yeah, but it would be fun to like. I think. Like in third edition, we never played. No, we didn't touch third. I didn't come back in until fifth. I came back in at the tail end of fourth. Yeah, and yeah, and then f- I started buying models during fourth edition, but I never actually played until fifth edition <laughs> came out. But yeah, sec- you know, doing a, a second edition day would be kind of fun. Those games also, I don't cool. remember if they're f- they're they're going to be smaller armies because the point costs were very different then. I think. I'd have to put to yes, yeah, yeah. I'd have to like I'll, I'll you know what I think tonight my I'll break out my sister's codex and see like what what would my current sister's army look like in- or maybe we could do something like pick pick an army and then maybe in November December January time frame play a second edition 
we'll do a second edition game, a fourth edition game, and a sixth edition game with the same types of armies. Yeah. Fun fact, my fourth and sixth edition sister's army would be exactly the same because they didn't have a codex. <laughs> but the rules for the edition are different. Well, that's true. Well, and I guess yeah. if I could use the sixth edition white war, I think there was a sixth edition digital codex. Okay. I'd have to see if I yeah. still have access to Because then to we that. can compare the even numbered versions, two, four, six, and eight. There you go. See? Because first edition is Rogue <laughs> Trader, which is a completely different beast. Yeah. Because yeah. it's more a role-playing yeah. game. Because like, you actually have a game master like monitoring the game. Um, and then, yeah, third we never played. Fifth is a weird beast in the middle. And then seventh is basically sixth plus. And seventh everybody knows. Yeah. So, yeah, two, four, six, eight. Yeah. How do we, what, would you appreciate? 40K, 40K. <laughs> yeah, that's our shirt design. Second, fourth, sixth, eighth. Uh, what do we appreciate? <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm out. I'm not, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> you're, you're not. Out. <laughs> oh, gosh. Richard, fa- most least. Favorite um, edition? Like, for for all the bloat and excess and the bad things of 7th edition, like, I didn't hate that as much as how stale 5th edition got <laughs> Okay, true, end. true. That is probably what I would have to go with on, like, as my least favorite. We did all tier a- a- But I, I, I just... Eighth edition, yeah, definitely is my favorite edition by far. Yeah, remember sixth edition was like yeah. we're coming out with like two codexes at the by the, before the end of the year, and we're like, oh god, it's so fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, and then it's like, then eighth edition hints like, okay, here's three codexes this month. What? <laughs> no, next month three codexes. Uh, <laughs> we we're not done with the second one. <laughs> Make it stop, Daddy. It'll give us a chance to eventually go back and do our guard review. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'll get that fifth edition guard review done any day now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that was bad. We, uh, we started recording in fifth edition, and those were the days when we had like months we had to make like months and months we had to make up our own content because there was nothing else to talk about. I thought about. we did a good job of I making it. I think we did up. do I think we did. I mean, I even remember when we had the one microphone in the middle of the table and we were building terrain as yep. we were talking. Yep. Yeah. Back in the day. I don't think the quality of yeah. that was that great. No, but. no. Don't. The, like the first 50 <laughs> episodes sound really rough by comparison, but yeah. Kevin? <laughs> um, I, I kind of have to agree with Richard. Uh, eighth edition is the best and fifth edition, not completely because I didn't win a single game. Uh <laughs> It just it got really stale, and it was there were a number of armies in fifth edition that just you were basically unplayable because there was no balance. Uh, Necrons, Dark Eldar, until they got their new codex, Sisters, they just they were so bad, and they just they didn't work with the edition, and there was no attempt to bring them in balance and it just it was really frustrating if you were playing any of those armies and and then when a new army would roll out it was broken as shit (laughs) yeah and like that was like gray knights and at one point space wolves just destroyed everybody because oh yeah well we're not gonna release faqs to fix jaws of the world wolf or whatever you know like nah we just if you're a top player you just take it you're going to get your but kicked when you play this army, you just sit and sit down and enjoy it. And I'm like, eh, I don't well, like this. that. Was like that was the days of the Leaf Blower Guard Army, and then yeah, uh, Razorback Cybolt 
ammo spam, uh, knobs on bikes, knobs on bikes, razorback spam from it's Blood sad. Angels, a Necron flyer because that fifth edition, the end of fifth edition was when we like well we got like nope. the new Necron codex and then like beginning of sixth those when like oh now these are flyers now nobody has anything that can deal with them have fun. Yeah, <laughs> they gave yeah. us the the one quad gun, the one quad gun, and it, <laughs> so, every army took. Yeah, yeah. Why do you have an Aegis defense line? Nobody uses those now, is because once upon a time everyone had to. Everybody, Except Tyranids. Yeah. Tyranids. <laughs> Come on, Paul. Well, I got no thumbs. What's got a quad gun but no fun thumbs to fire it? I don't know because I can't point at this guy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> or or six, also sixth edition. We we'll give you an allies chart. Yay! People can mix armies except, except for, for two. Or, except for two dudes. <laughs> and and that's when you were big about why can't I go with guard to make a gene sealer cult? Right. You, exactly. You did say that. Problem yeah. solved. Yeah. <laughs> it only took yeah. two editions and a complete reimagining of the game to pull it off. <laughs> yeah. uh, they got there eventually. They got there eventually. <laughs> all right next one uh question from curtis turner and here's another one that, like with all the armies we have this one may have to be a, it's this one may have to be its own episode what's a unit you'd like to add to your army i.e one that doesn't exist even in the fluff and and what's a major storyline element you'd like to occur i think we should probably table that one for an episode i can say at least one of mine okay i want to see the the Going forward with the Yanari, I want to see them get fleshed out yeah. and actually become something. Because we saw the birth of them. Yeah. Let's see what they become. Right. Okay, so let's keep this one to the storyline element. Okay. Okay, well, the, the army thing you'd like to add your army, we have so many armies, yeah. it would take an episode. But um, yeah. So, major storyline uh, element you'd like to see, like to occur. Uh, uh, I got one. Okay. I'd love to see, uh, I'd love to see the Imperial Civil War. Um, we've already got you know, the great rift that kind of cut off ball and a couple of these other couple other areas. I'd love to see like a competing Imperium rise up and then you have basically a second Horus Heresy. So so w- would it be more for against like Gully Man and the Space Marines versus the other parts of the Imperium or would it be Primaris versus old Space Marines? Uh, I've I mean, heard both of those kind of rumors. Either. Yeah, or, you could, or a mix. I mean, it might way, just be like yeah. locality based. Just like this sector everywhere. versus that sector. Yeah. No, I think there's some cool ideas there because I, 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 yeah, I think both one would, would work. But the one I'm kind of thinking of is that, like, you know, like for example, we find out in the next story element that Dark Angels really did fall to chaos or whatever. Or, you know, they were their their dark secret comes out, and then we find out that like Alpha Legion maybe actually wasn't evil, and then all of a sudden you just have all these extra comp- factions that nobody trusts each other and it just devolves into you know and then that could be a reason why like space marines and blood angels have different codexes and play completely differently because now they're fighting each other i just think that could be a cool story development no i I agree and i because i love the whole narrative of bobby g saying like no my my dad's not a god why you guys keep worshiping him like a god i like that narrative progressing as well which actually gets the one i'd like to see is i'd like to see the final death of the emperor i'd like to see like the the final failure of the golden throne because we know that the golden throne is failing and like the astronomicon has been flickering and it's like let's find like finally pull the trigger on the is he a perpetual or not is he going like if he dies is he going to be reborn in a new form is he going to be like the non-chaos god of like faith in humanity or is he going to 
Like, or like what happens to the empire once the golden throne actually falls apart? That is a good question. Cause like the Mechanicus know? can't fix it. They don't, they don't know how. And I mean, it was something that the emperor had drawn up plans for. So he knew it was an eventuality that he'd need it, but what happens if you can't find the plans? And the, I think the person he shared the plans with was Rogel Dorn, who he's gone too. So. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to see, I mean, this is a little more specific to like a couple of my armies, but I'd like just to see more like actual orcs that are like monstrous creature sized. Oh yeah. Like the beast mm-hmm. type yeah. things. Yeah. I'd like to see just a, an expansion on that, that sort of idea for that or like. Tyranids actually getting some sort of Lord of War because like the current gas because the current Gazgul is still like a metal or fine cast model, isn't he? Yep. Because he should He's be fine. he should be bigger than yes. he is now, and that's after oh, he yeah. already got expanded <laughs> once. Yeah, but no, he should be huge. He should be. I mean, he should be like Redemptor Dreadnought size at this point. Yeah, I think so. All right, and then if you had to remove one army from the game, which would it be? I mean, if you like hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to remove one one army from the game, Ooh, that, that, that one squat body, bounty hunter in, in <laughs> Necromunda. <laughs> Finally, we got him, guys. They're done now. I, actually, I, I have an answer just to just to ramp up the hate mail. Yeah, let's just get rid of sisters. Like, <laughs> let's put them out in plastic. Make everyone have everyone buy them, and then squat them and have them just get deleted out. I'm looking at my microphone <laughs> with so much disappointment right now. At you. See, and, <laughs> no, uh, no, I know. I don't actually believe that. <laughs> I'm taking this from a different thing. Not the one I don't like playing because I would more say, look at this as what one from a, f- a fluff storyline would be the next to be squatted. And I just don't know off the top of yeah. my head. I'll, I'll go back to the conversation that I've had for a very long Ooh, time. That they're kind of sort of moving towards. I don't know why we have to have so many separate space marine factions unless you're going to set them up and do something like an Imperial Civil War and have them all be different. I, not necessarily getting rid of them, but just consolidating them so we don't have 24 separate books and factions well, playing around. What I would like <laughs> is either I'll get rid of either a faction or a faction that's not a faction of either get rid of Dark Angels or get rid of the um, – now I've totally forgot the Cyphers group. I can't the, Fallen. the Fallen. The Fallen. The Fallen. Yeah, have one of them finally win. I have a feeling yeah. that they're they've been kind of leading up to that cuz I like at the end of Wrath of Magnus the changeling ended up letting out Luther right. and he's out. And so I am feeling that storyline's going to be coming to a head probably during the psychic you know cuz I mean that would just be really cool to see um like if the Dark Angels finally can finish off the Fallen, or if the Fallen rise up and kind of... Or if it's kind of a Pyrrhic victory and they take each other out. Yeah. Of course, yeah, I, if, I, if they're doing that, then when they talk about like new models for everybody, I would not be surprised if this one we get the Lionel Johnson. Oh, if we man. don't get it... Dark Angels 2.0 is probably coming because the back cover of the latest White Dwarf is just the Dark Angels symbol. Fair enough. So it's like they're strongly hinting at it, but... Uh, it wouldn't be surprised if it's maybe not in the codex because they might just be updating the codex to match the new marine stuff. But I mm-hmm. would not be surprised if it's uh, 
I, I would not be surprised if we see like Lionel Johnson during Psychic Awakening and having like Chaos versus Dark Angels being like one of the big storyline right. war zones that they push. If I had to remove one army, it, actually, that was one I was thinking about. Was like Dark Angels, kind of like I know Dark Angels players would not be happy being ba- basically being eliminated that way, but that's that's one that like you could actually make a storyline argument for it. Um, if you wanted to be a real ass, you could say we could, obviously anyone who's listened to the show over the last couple of years would know guard would be on my list, but, but no, gu- I'm kidding. Gu- I am <laughs> totally kidding. I am so kidding. That so is going to be taken out of context and reposted yes. somewhere. But the thing about guard is guard is everywhere. Guard is everywhere. So you I mean, can't yeah, really in, get... in the fl- That's, that's how you guard your planets. <laughs> yeah. I don't like, I don't know. Like the way the story is built right now. I don't know if there's any that you can just pull without it having a much lar- much larger ripple effect. I can think mm-hmm. of the one you could pull on the Eldar thing is the Dark Eldar. I mean, if they most of them either fell to Yanari and the the Vex group became an index. <laughs> no, th- no, that's actually you know like yeah they basically you know this whole you know basically caught mur- using other people's souls to stay al- to stay alive thing finally. And doesn't you know loses or run its course well we know like chaos is starting to break into the webway so it's only a matter of time before kimura falls so that yeah that's definitely a possibility um you could also say like the end of traditional marines like because they're not being replaced yeah. <laughs> like you know as as new chapters you know they're not making traditional marines they're all being upgraded to primaris so Eventually, there's going to be the day, especially if you have uh, the one of those Civil War concepts that you know the tactical mm-hmm. Marines could just you know the end of old school Marines would be a thing. But I don't know if there's an army. I could also see the Tau eventually getting overrun. I would hate to see it happen, but they are like like yeah. gl- like where they exist in the galaxy is like one of the smallest portions because <laughs> they're one tiny well, little emperor empire. There's yeah. There's a number of Xenos factions that they could, the like, eliminate. The are coming from. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tyranids are coming from right. everywhere well, at this point. Well, true, but... Like, they could they could easily story-wise wipe out some of the Xenos races. Like, you know, like, oh, we figured out a way to kill the orcs or, you know, wiped out the Tau. But the problem is there's so few actual alien concepts, like alien races that are playable, that I really don't want that to happen. You could easily do a thing where, like, no, the Eldar fall and... Either they're completely wiped out or the only thing that's left is Yanari and you roll all of it up into one faction and you effectively get rid of, you know, Craft Worlds, Dark Eldar and Harlequins. But I don't want to see that because that's going to make the story less narrative, narratively rich if there's fewer Xenos races out there. So I I don't know. I don't want to see that just from that perspective. Also, I don't want them to ruin my, an army that I have. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, yeah, I, I don't know if. Like, there are some storylines that I think could come to fruition, but I don't think there's an army that we would just want to see removed because, uh, I don't like it. Go away. <laughs> yeah. Next up, Thomas Weisenhunt. If money was no object, what dream army would each host collect and why? <laughs> I'm really boring. I would say Eldar. And if money were no object, I would probably have some You'd have like Titans Phantom and, and Phantom <laughs> Titans and, and nice big giant Eldar things get all the like super heavy tanks and flyers yeah that would be wonderful i mean they're all just super expensive and money is an object yeah (laughs) 
Richard? I, I think if if money was no object, you'd I would probably what I would actually probably do is is literally get a thousand points of like every army. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Of of just like the models that I think are coolest from each each army. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. <laughs> Kevin? I, I kind of have to go with Echo Dennis's uh, idea of just like, you know, Titan Eldar? Legions. No, uh, no, no. Like <laughs> uh, but no, like Titan Legions, you know, where it's like, nah, here's my, you know, here's my three Chaos Warlord Titans, you know, and that type of stuff and kind of, you know, play, play Rich Man's 40K. But I honestly, I think the biggest thing for me, if money were no object, all of my armies would be painted by somebody else. Because <laughs> I would just be like, I would just be like, here, paint this for me. Because, you know, I don't think I'm terrible at painting. I, I definitely don't think I'm good at it. But I don't particularly enjoy painting. Like, I always have to kind of like, part of the reason why why I do have so many factions is I put myself on deadlines of like, okay, no, I need to get this finished. And that's the only way I paint is like, okay, if I build this corn army for this event and I, I have to get it painted by now, so I'll get it painted. Otherwise, it'll set as gray plastic on my shelf. No, I am right so with I you there, Kevin. That, that's how I get my painting done. So I think that's the big thing for me is that I would just have my armies painted. <laughs> if, if we're talking money was no object, as in I didn't have to have a job – Oh yeah, like yeah, I would just sit and paint oh. models all the oh, time. God, yes, oh yeah, <laughs> I, because I enjoy painting I, models. I would, like, I would paint all of Kevin's armies. Yeah, I would, <laughs> I would honestly like if I didn't have to, if I did not have to work a day job, I would probably go into both a combination of like commission painting. Yeah, not even necessarily for a lot of money. I would just like paint stuff. Like I'd. I, I would just paint stuff all the time. I would paint and play and then maybe like do more video stuff. But, you know, yeah. just because I wanted to. But yeah. If money were no object. See, I already like I, a lot of the armies I have. Like I have a lot of the stuff I want for the armies I have. So, you know, it's like I've never really been huge on like all the things. I was like, like, I don't care if I don't ever have some of the towel flyers. I don't care about having like all the like all the blood angel stuff or even like all the sister stuff i have a lot of stuff i have i have more than i need most of the time anyway um the one the the two things i think like if i had to choose between them one would be i there's i would love to have like more forge world knights i would love to expand my knight house to have a lot more knight options and mm-hmm. also part of money being no object is i would love to have kr cases for everything oh, i have that would be yes. nice <laughs> Especially like once you start getting stuff like the town art and such, you have to start getting like special cases and special because it's just huge. Um, so that would be one. The other is if I had to pick a brand new army and money was no object, uh, I would make peace with the guard players or you know all the, all the guard players that complained to us, and I would say I would play Deathcore Krieg. Oh yeah, I like Krieg. yeah money yeah, money nice. being no object and and do it all legit Forge World no chi- no Chinese recasting or anything just get it all straight from the source that would be my money is no object or like if I'd start a new army yeah. but other otherwise I would expand my knights I remember playing against Deathcore in this edition and they're they're pretty decent and they're very fluffy mm-hmm. so but like the like the Serastus. Uh, style knights like the art the lancer and the acheron things like that mm-hmm. they're like 300 dollars a piece 
So yeah, it would be like, <laughs> so yeah, it's like a thousand dollars or, you know, it's close to a thousand dollars if I just want to get like one of each of those. And I've looked at like, there's some of them like, I would like, like, I want the, the one with the chainsaw and, and like huge flamer. And I want the one with the sword and like the, the Avenger bolters because those would fit my sister's army like really well. Cause like, you know, flamer and bolters, like that would be perfect. But they're also like three hundred dollars a piece, and I just can't justify that right now. So I have enough other stuff. All right, next one. This one's going to be kind of a a little bit of a repeat from yep. our from our first question. But what's your first forty k memory? This is from uh, Dan Robertson. What's your first forty k memory? For me, it was an ancient White Scars battle report in White Dwarf. All I remember is it must have been second or third ed, and was using night fight rules. It sparked my twelve year old imagination. Well, we, we said mine, and um, Rob's might be similar. Is me playing Rob in that one little tournament game because that that kicked us off meeting those guys um, at the college and mm-hmm. buying into the orcs and space marines boxes. And I remember painting up tons of Gretchen with just random colors because uh. yeah, yeah, my yeah, I think it was MuleCon like '96. I think was Is that what it was they called it. I thought it was well, the gaming convention. Well, no, it was MuleCon because it was like CMSU. Their right. ma- our mass, our college yeah. mascot. I didn't was know a mule. it had actually had a name. Yep, it was then. MuleCon. Okay, um, <laughs> and yeah, there was one. There was a guy there who was like really, and again, I can't remember his name. Me either. But he was really big into 40k at the time, and it was all second edition. He had his own like custom. Uh, Highlander themed, like Scottish themed, uh, space marines where he, like, he had done, like, green stuff, like, kilts on everybody. And, uh, he, but he had that. He had orcs. He had Eldar. And so, like, he had stuff, like, he was basically just running demo games for people. And yeah, that was our first experiences with it. And I loved it. I just couldn't afford to continue getting into it. But yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Dennis and I pretty much have the same early 40k memory. So for me, um, it actually goes back even earlier to when I started playing Fantasy or 40K. Um, there was a video game, a video game, a game store in Columbia, Missouri, near where I went to high school, uh, called Valhalla's Gate. And my friends and I would go there. We'd drive down from from Moberly and go and we'd play in HeroClix tournaments there because this is like 2000. Oh god, I when HeroClix. Uh, HeroClix, yeah, and like I remember enjoying this and. Part of the reason why we first started like looking in and like got, became aware of 40k stuff is the Lord of the Rings game had just come out. <laughs> um, so we played like a demo where like he was playing. Um, uh, I think it was effectively it was like the you know, Rohan or whatever, and then like I was playing orcs, and basically it was just you know a little small hill demo, and like I had like ten orcs, and he had like five bowmen, and like you know shot before I got halfway across the table. Um, it was kind of not a great demo, but, uh, I remember playing this and then I remember like, you know, they were explaining, it's like, Oh yeah, there's these other games they make. And you know, here's the fantasy stuff and here's the 40 K stuff. And I remember looking at the 40 K stuff and kind of having that same reaction that before. And I'm like, Oh, well, cool. The fantasy stuff looks cool. 40 K that's orcs in space. That's weird. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then like, didn't really come back to it until, you know, years later when, you know, when we started getting into other games and, and moved on from hero clicks onto like games that I thought were more complex and more fun to play. <laughs> you know, I think it's funny that uh, Lord of the Rings is still going strong, like years yeah. after the the movies, you know. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> what we're like, the, those movies came out like 99, 2000, 2001, didn't they? Yep. Yeah. And I, I think the game itself was launched in 2000. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, 
shit, to be almost 20 fair, years at this the point. books came out long before. The then. books did come, but they're specifically basing the designs on like the cinematic yeah. versions. But yeah. like not like I thought for sure like once the like once the the Hobbit because the Hobbit was not nearly as successful as as Lord as original trilogy, and once that faded, I was like, oh yeah, they're just gonna let that license lapse and yeah. just but move on that, that the whole mythology of that that those lands are, people still like oh yeah and oh yeah and yeah. they've decided to lean into it hard that like they're letting forge world kind of take the lead on it but they're releasing new plastics for it even so like they just announced one of the things they announced at uh, nova Opus is like here's a new saruman model and a new grime of worm tongue and here's like this book that's gonna cover more stuff and it's like yeah it's still an active thing and you can actually go into a gw store and get like a few things for it so like a Mm -hmm. lot of it's a order online only but still they're they're actively supporting it so yeah it's still going yeah i my first 40k memory i I think is is actually a lot later than everybody else's (laughs) because like i just really didn't pay any attention to like tabletop war games it, until everybody else here started talking about them. But like, I do remember like when the fourth edition Orc Codex came out and they had a bunch of the new models, and Tim was over there looking at stuff uh, and. I walked over and was talking to him and then he like pointed out the orc shock attack gun and explained how it worked and was that it sucked up little snotlings into a, a, a warp wormhole and like shot them at the enemy. I'm like, that's funny. Why? Why? Okay. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> you had me at snotling. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Jason Menard asks, how do you guys keep it together enough to get 200 episodes done with some combination of jobs, kids, and significant others? Um, first off, you're assuming we've kept it together to get 200 episodes done. This one's not out of the can yet. So, <laughs> right. well, And as well evidenced there. by the last episode, we haven't. We'll get there. <laughs> Um, I, I also think that I, this question was one that came in like June or July, so like it's taken us a bit. <laughs> yeah. So, um, care uh, if I, if I honestly had to say careful scheduling, like every like we have to schedule times to record, we have to schedule times to come, like figure out like when we have time to play, figuring out it, it's just figuring out where to fit it into our lives. Cause I know it's like this 40 K is by far not the only thing any of us do, even just for entertainment purposes. Yeah. We've got like, I know most of us are like the three of us sitting here at the table are in different, like role-playing game sessions, both in person and online. Um, we do a lot of like video gaming and I do card a lot gaming. of MMOs. Yeah. So <laughs> um, I've got, kids and a partner and a lot of that has been scheduling like working out expectations with her as far as like when um like like what what works for her because it's like it's it's figuring out that game life balance of you know making sure that i'm not spending so much time on my hobbies that i'm ignoring my family but also making sure that i do have some time for my hobbies because that's you know, that's a thing mm-hmm. that's important to me. And fortunately, she is really, uh, has really been fantastic as far as, 
knowing that this is important to me and supporting slash, you know, she would also say that she's an enabler by nature, but, you know, sure. <laughs> but, but, you know, supporting me and encouraging me to, to push forward and, and do more things and grow. I'm like, she keeps pushing me like, you should do video. I'm like, Fuck, where am I going to find the time to do that? But I'm going to figure out how I'm, I want to figure out how to do it too. Um, she's the one who's like, like when I say, Leah, we've got the opportunity to go to all these different events. She's like, okay, let me, let's figure out travel times. And, and it's also tricky because, uh, by personal choice, this is not like any sort of like me enforcing anything on her. She does not have a driver's license. So, We've got one car between us, and when I drive off to an event, she and the kids have no way to get around. Now, formerly have, or fortunately, you know, we have friends locally, and we we have family lives pretty close. So, and we like we always do like our shopping ahead of time, so like they've got food and everything for the weekend. But yeah, it's it's sometimes tricky to to get all that scheduled out, and but like as far as like kids and significant others, it's just working out time and and trying to make sure you've got a balance to take care of them and yourself because self-care is important and i can for me i consider hobby part of my self-care like when i'm i'm building and painting models that is very good for my mental state and i have high blood pressure so i have to work on managing my stress levels so that is good for me (laughs) but also just like yeah it's 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 making an effort to balance it is really what it comes down to and there i don't have any other easy way to say it there's no one trick to it See, see, Rob did the long answer. I'll say the short answer is scheduling. Of yeah, we we all have very very busy lives, and I mean, it's so easy to let things get, like Kevin said. He he doesn't play a lot. We we don't get a lot of games in nowadays, other than when we go out to tournaments enough because our lives have gotten that busy. But it's being able to set a schedule and. and Trust me, getting four people's schedules is not together is not easy. No. <laughs> so it's just being able to find the time and then once you find the time, Stick get it scheduled it. And, and go with it. Yeah. I, I don't really have anything else to add to <laughs> yeah. that. That's that's pretty much it. It it's it's not easy, but you you just have to it, if you want it, do the thing. But yeah. make the effort yeah. to do the thing. Well, no, and that's you're exactly right. It's effort and scheduling. Um, you know, the fact that for the most part we record things every two weeks, so we have kind of a set time, you know, set day of the week that we record. Um, that makes it easier, and you kind of just get into the habit of it. The other part of it is, you know, it's making the effort to stay connected because, you know, I moved two and a half years ago, and it could have been very easy for me to just be like, "Well, have fun, see you guys," and not talk anymore. But no, like we've made the effort to like keep me involved in the podcast and, you know, continue to, you know, talk offline. Like we have a Facebook chat where we post, you know, news articles and comments and, you know, Hey, did you see this? You know, just that type of stuff. Like that, you know, staying connected and staying interested in the hobby. Like I mentioned, I haven't played since January, but that doesn't mean I haven't just put all my 40 K stuff away and haven't thought about it. Like there's so much to keep me involved and keep me, you know, working on models and painting and building like that also helps. You know, so I don't get burnout, but I also like just don't like, oh, you know, I'm bored with this. I want to move on to something else. Like there's enough stuff to keep going that when we go to record, it's we have stuff to talk about. And it feels like I can, you know, throw comments in and not sound like I'm just making stuff up off the top of my head. Well, and again, that's which where, I usually am. But, <laughs> but again, and it's also where streaming 
is important it has been a, important for you because it's like it's mm-hmm. a way for you to be engaged with the actual gameplay and you can see what players are doing and see how games are going so you you can keep that fresh even if you're not the ones pushing the models around absolutely yeah i mean we're all armchair generals here so <laughs> <laughs> it's much easier to be an armchair general than like actually having to do it so <laughs> <laughs> but no yeah it it really is it's it is making the effort to do it scheduling is a part of that because you have to make the effort to schedule it. You can't just you it, you can't really do this ad hoc and make it yeah make it a thing, and it does become like part of your life. And you also like the other thing about two hundred episodes. Like I do this partially because we enjoy like the main reason is we enjoy doing it. We enjoy talking about it. And we've gotten into doing this and we like it. But also, I do feel like I've kind we we've built up an audience and have kind of gotten an maybe not an obligation but we have fans we have people who are waiting for us yeah. to do stuff and you you people who wrote in and the ones even the ones who didn't who are listening part of the reason we do this is for you guys because we've gotten a lot of feedback over the years and we're what on eight years now <laughs> something like that <laughs> yeah i <laughs> uh, lost count well tw- I 200 I... episodes we do one every two weeks generally so figure 24 to 25 episodes a year we're about on eight years <laughs> I think we cro- we technically crossed eight years in like April. So so when we hit like sixteen, does that mean we can drive people crazy? <laughs> uh, it's like if we ever decide to wind the show down, we'll let you guys know ahead of time. I don't think we're gonna do a well. We're done. Bye. <laughs> Maybe we can do that at episode a thousand. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's eighty years <laughs> or something. Um, let's see if it took us eight years to get to two hundred. It's gonna take us forty years. <laughs> So yeah, we I'll be eighty. I will be eighty, and if I'm still if I'm still alive and recording, and if forty k is still being put out in, in anything resembling its current form in forty years, but we can we can switch to weekly to, make, to get to that number faster. <laughs> I don't know that our schedules permit it. No, and, and again, that, that's the other thing about scheduling an effort is knowing what fits. Yeah, like if yeah. we if we were doing trying to push out a weekly episode. With everything else, we, like the people who are able to put out weekly episodes have lifestyles, whether they're involved in gaming already, like signals from the front, like the frontline gaming, they can put out weekly shows because that's what they do for a living. Yeah. Uh, mini wargaming can put out multiple videos a week because that's what they do for a living. Like that's their job that they've chosen for themselves, but that's what they do. Uh, kind of like from the media panel we attended at LVO a couple of years ago. Like, if somebody could pay you to do this, would you do it? And there's a lot of people like, no, this is my vacation. And it does, like, the the couple, like, Dave from Mini Wargaming was up there. And he's like, yeah, well, this is my job. But it would be a very different beast if we were doing it that way. But it would require yeah. huge lifestyle changes from all of us to make that remotely feasible. So, it would be, it, But it could have been easy to fall into that trap and then get burnt out trying to make it happen. And, and so know your limitations, know, and that's part of scheduling, but then make the effort to make it happen. Yeah. And that's, that's it. Okay. Patrick Day writes, what's in the near and distant future for 40K? Eighth edition was a major evolution. What's the next evolution? Which again, that's an episode in of, of itself. Um, I don't know. I don't think a ninth edition is part of it. I think they re- their goal is to really keep this as a, as an ongoing, you know, you know, core mechanics staying the same and just tweaking and adjusting it. Uh, Age of Sigmar, I think, is the same way. They've tweaked and adjusted some of the core mechanics, but not much in Age of Sigmar. And I think 8th edition, you know, they've stated that their goal is to have a living rule set. And I think 
they're carrying through with that. I just, you're going to be replacing codexes even more often, even though we're staying in technically one edition. But they're also moving the storyline further, further, and I think that's, that's really what I like. I think that's the the next evolution is going to be when they push. Like, I mean, technically, we kind of had it with the move to eighth edition because they really did push the storyline yeah. forward a lot, and I think. <laughs> We're just going to continue seeing, like, it's going to be the next big push of a storyline. And does it bring, like, the end of a faction or a complete, like, do we see uh, Eldar, can, like, Inari become what's left of the Eldar? Do we, you know, that, that could be a thing that happens. I, I think it's really too early to tell. Um, and especially with, like, the way they're spinning off both multiple side games and different scales of 40k like the difference between mm-hmm. kill team and 40k and apoc even though they're all played with the same models they're completely different beasts as far as gaming yeah you build your armies differently you play them on the field differently and yeah they are different games yeah so it's like i don't know if the next evolution is another spin-off or a major story chain I, that's that that's a like I said that's a topic in and of itself. See, I could do a silly answer for what's in the distant future from forty k. What's that? Fifty k. <laughs> you are not wrong. I mean, unless like the demons consume the universe or something. But yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, no, I I think the big thing is going to be those those sub games. You know, I, like things like Blackstone Fortress. Which is super fun. Hill Team, uh, you know, Imperial, you know, Aeronautica, uh, you know, Deptus Titanicus. Like, I think all those different ways to play the game, even the new, ep- you know, uh, uh, Apocalypse rules, where it's like you've got different ways to play the game. So it's not just one style of play and one one thing to do. Um, and I think that's going to keep the hobby fresh. I think that's going to keep it keep it alive for a lot longer. Yeah, I yeah, I think yes, spin-off games seem to be like the main because it also allows them to examine different aspects and make them mm-hmm. available because like before specialist games were always they I mean they were very niche and I'm not saying these like Blackstone Fortress is kind of niche because it talks more to people who like campaign board gaming rather than like a traditional miniatures war game but But it's more yeah. of a spin-off from the theme rather than it's it's its own game that has no ties to anything. Right. And then they also find always have ways like here's how to use the things from there in in your other games. So it's all mm-hmm. it's all interconnected, which is is good. But I, I yeah, maybe maybe it's not so much an a big evolution as just the natural growth progression of of the path they're on. Honestly, I think the path they're on is fine. It's just yeah. as long as they keep up at it and keep just trying to to fine tune it. And so far, they've shown interest in doing that. Finally, Big Mech Aaron, Aaron M, writes, if you were just getting into 40K now, which faction would you choose? <laughs> like, if you had to start all over starting again, on. starting all over, which one would you, what faction would you go with? I would hate myself. I would pick Harlequins, because I <laughs> love their design aesthetic the most. You can buy the boxes of them off the shelves. You can't do that with Eldar. And they, I love the dynamic poses. And then I'd probably play the games and think, man, these guys are hard. And and I don't know if that would turn me off, but I would definitely either keep trying with them or I might start then looking at another faction. But Harlequins would be what I would jump in on, just because of how they look. Space nuns. (laughs) (laughs) Now that it's actually a viable thing to do. Now now that it's going to be brand new models. Yeah. the, The new shiny. <laughs> <laughs> Again, rule of cool on models. Yeah, yeah. 
Kevin? Uh, probably Death Guard, honestly. Um, I really like the models. It's a low-ish model count army. They're they're pretty forgiving to play. They're not like super great, but they're they've got a, they cover a lot of the bases. It's all plastic. I think that's probably the one I would start with first, and it's easy to get with the starter box. And then you could just give you know, and then you uh, you give or sell the other half of the starter box to your friends that you have <laughs> someone to play with. <laughs> um, which actually, you could give it to me because I think if I was going to start over right now with the the emphasis on like the Primaris Marines. I would like back in the day I started with Space Marines and I would probably do it again. I'd probably start with Ultramarines. I mean, if I was brand new to 40k yeah. and I wanted mm-hmm. like which of these arms like, well, these guys like they're in like big power armor suits and like I'm I'm a big fan of like the original Starship Trooper, like the novel, <laughs> not the movies. Oh, okay. The movies are a completely different beast. I mean, the storyline's basically the same, but in the novel, they're all wearing power armor. It's it's like mm-hmm. they're power armored marines with like missile launcher backpacks and jetpacks and stuff. And so like the Primaris Marines are very much in that, like even more so than like the tradition like the TAC Marines. Um the Primaris Marines, especially like the Redemptor Dread and things like that, be like, oh yeah, that's awesome. Grav tanks and and giant because it'd be like it'd be kind of like the Tau, but yeah. like super soldiers, and be like, and also it's be easy to pick up, and it'd be a good counterpart for the Death Guard. So like you know, Kevin and I could be rocking like starter starter kit stuff, and then Richard and you, I would be on Harlequins and, and sisters. <laughs> you just you just want to have a heavy bolter as a sidearm. <laughs> Yeehaw! <laughs> Howdy, partner. <laughs> Howdy, partner. <laughs> so yeah, no, I I would honestly probably go Primaris Marines if I if I was starting over. Yeah. But uh, yeah, because I think that would like as as neat as like if I looked at the start collecting boxes or like the starter sets or stuff. I th- like honestly, I find. Like the start collecting box for Tau to even be a little bit lackluster. Mm-hmm. I mean, the crisis suits are okay, but they're like not even the biggest robots that they have now. So back in the day, well, they were. Yeah. Well, yeah. So the thing that got me into Tau was like all of the tanks, and you don't get those in the start collecting boxes. Yeah. So yeah, like I, I don't know that I would that I would be drawn to Tau the same way starting out as I was, you know, like I'd years be, ago or I would years be ago. more drawn to a repulsor now than I would be. <laughs> Which is funny because the repulsor is not that great. No, but... I, I was just laughing at the and, choice of words, and yeah, and, and it's and not meant it's drawn not meant to a to... repulsor, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, they they set they reverse the polarity. Uh, on okay. Ah, uh, reverse the polarity of the neutron flow. Got it. Ah, uh, I see you are a, th- a third Doctor fan as well. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and so I, so yeah. That that is where we what we would pick if we were starting over again. I think they're very interesting. I, I think it's neat that we all picked something different. Yeah, and for very different reasons. No, I think well, all of us went with the rule of cool, pretty much. Rule of cool, but I think uh, <laughs> Kevin and I definitely went for ease of ease of access. Oh, and so did I for yeah. Harlequins over Eldar. Yeah, because well, Eldar is not ease of access right now. And I'll be honest, I didn't want to double up on Richard's idea, and I haven't seen the plastic sister well, stuff that uh, might be my answer in if three months I'm being <laughs> truthfully honest sisters would be on the top of the list as well partially because they're new partially because they're yeah. shiny partially because i was always interested in them for some reason i really like three strength three toughness armies um <laughs> i mean yeah i was thinking of doing sisters as my third army after slanesh back in the day but mm, it was so hard to get it was so hard to get too expensive i'm like no no i'll just keep these two 
and but no seven armies later <laughs> so you're saying i should add number eight yeah yes because <laughs> no no you don't no. need to no technically you have chaos marines ha 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 technically it's not an army it's, it's a detachment it's a, it's a legal detachment that you could play standalone into a slanesh army you could play it in kill team <laughs> that's just saying not, that's not 40k it's 40k kill team <laughs> I Rob can't argue that one. <laughs> Rob is technically correct, which is the best. Okay, so, so you're saying that technically I have eight armies then? Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's how I got into Chaos Space Marines. Rob said I needed to get shooty for my Slanesh, and I agreed. And ITC allowed it. The end. <laughs> the end. <laughs> and with that, let's transition over to Hobby Progress. <laughs> Well, Iron Halo's coming up, so I have 16 Chaos Marines that I'm going to be painting with contrast paints. Yep. So I will see how contrast paints go with that. I only have a few weeks left to get that done. Contrast paints will make it go fast, though. Okay, and then I have to get airbrushing on the four Slanesh models I still will be taking, the Keeper of Secrets, the named Keeper of Secrets, the... Demon Prince, Herald Combo, and the mirror that everyone apparently really loves. The contorted epitome. Yes. And so I've got those 20 models that have to get painted in the next three weeks. That's what I'm going to be working on. You can do it. Oh, I'm sure I can do it. It's just... Doing it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Richard's been building stuff while we've been... Yeah. He's building I, Warcry. I, I've been making some untamed beasts for Warcry. They're kind of neat. Is that about it? <laughs> that that's um, and then I I primed my stompa. Yes, and, it was all shiny my, and silver, and uh, a, a bunch of my orc buggies, so that I can get those painted sometime soon. I will say it was wonderful in our APOC game yesterday. It was wonderful seeing the stompa in action, and the buggies looked amazing. I'll I'll love to see them painted. Yeah. Um, I have been building uh, as of well, our hobby of progress. No, we did in the first part of the episode last yeah, episode. So it, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so my progress on Blood Angels continues. I have um I have over half the stuff built. I stopped after two intercessor boxes. Um I've got a third one to build and uh but I'm also I think I'm gonna switch to like the Redemptor Dread and the um the Hellblasters next, kind of f- fill out that uh battalion that I've got a bit more because I've got a unit of uh, infiltrators and two units of like t- 10 infiltrators and 20 uh, intercessors. So that should, I mean, that's enough to, and with all the HQs, that's enough to fill out a, a battalion. So now I'm just kind of like filling out the other parts of it before I go in on the last box intercessors. But then I'm also taking a break from that this afternoon to finally prime my daughters of Cain for age of sigmar so i can because they're ones i want to definitely try with uh, contrast paints because um doing like lots of skin tones and things like that i figure some like thin down golem and flesh will go really make that go really fast so nice but yeah and then once that's done i'm so back to mm -hmm. back to blood angels nice so i've been uh working on kind of getting my uh alpha legion set up for the LVO friendly and the renegade open friendly. Um, so I've kind of finished building, listing out, getting the lists ready for that. Um, and then I need to start working on painting it with the uh, contrast. Um, I had been using contrast paints to work on a bunch of like Reaper bones miniatures that I had for our D- my current D and D campaign. And I ran into a weird issue and I don't know if it's just, I'm not doing something right, but 
the light colors work perfect. They they shade, they they do everything great. But some of the darker colors that I've been using come out very I don't know, it doesn't it, it doesn't it's very splotchy and like like I painted one like a week ago and like if I if I pick a model up like it's still tacky. Like it's still kind oh, of hmm. Yeah, like it and I don't know if it's Maybe it's something with the Reaper Bones miniatures that it's reacting with. Now, you're, are you priming know, the just, bones or not? I didn't prime this one. Okay. Like, I didn't prime a couple of them, but that's part of it is that with the Reaper Bones, you're able to just paint on there. And I've painted other stuff. Like, I painted a, um, a Spawn of Cthulhu, but I used, like, the uh, Plague Bearer flesh, and it went on perfect, no problem, hmm. without having to prime it. So... I don't know if it's just maybe I got like a bad bottle or so I don't know. I need to play around a little more with it, but I've noticed that the lighter colors seem to work a lot better with the contrast stuff. It might be a difference in, in medium to pigment ratios, uh, possibly. Yep. Uh, I know this is, it's technically a water-based paint, but you're not supposed to like mix it with water cause it disrupts the, the way the medium works. But bones are known to be hydrophobic. The, the material mm-hmm. actually like rejects it be like yeah i i've i've always had because i often don't use medium to thin my paints mm-hmm. when i'm working with acrylics i i will generally just use water mm-hmm. and i have noticed that yeah like bones are a little weird to to paint on yeah. Now, if you yeah. use re- like Reapers paints are actually formulated to work like they're they're actually thinned properly and and formulated to work on bones models. So like you can paint mm-hmm. a bones model with just like with no priming with just Reaper mo- Reaper paints and it'll work fine. And then once you've got that base layer down, you could use like other washes and things like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, bones is a weird material in that it it is hydrophobic, so it rejects water. So it is possible those darker paints, it could be having some reaction with the pigment that the pigment isn't curing properly. Yeah, so, and uh, that's and that's kind of what I'm thinking is that at, at some point here, when it's not a, well, actually today is actually not too bad. When it's not when it gets below like 110 degrees, I'm gonna go out and like bait and spray paint some stuff and like basically take the model and just base it again and, and start over um, and see if that works any better. And if I'm still having the same issues, because really I'm painting these models, not to like, I'm painting these models as tests essentially. Like right. I don't care if I paint over it and lose some of the detail. Like I'm just really doing it to test out how, you know, get a feel for how the contrast paints work. Um, so I thought it was just kind of interesting that I've, I've, not getting as much of the results I want with the darker color paints, but the lighter color paints, like the skin tones, are amazing. Mm-hmm. So it it that's been an interesting experiment, and I'm and I need to just do more with that as I go along and and get you know to get my Alpha Legion stuff done as well because I plan on painting those with mostly contrast paints. Um, one other thing that hobby related that I wanted to mention real quick. Um, so back at LVO, I took the CK Studios uh, like airbrushing, like kind of basic uh class ck studios is actually doing a uh class in kansas city on october 26th 27th um and i think like nathan and a few other people yeah, are going to that yeah it's up at the geekery so, i believe is where they're holding yeah it. up at the geekery so if if you're in kc and you want to go to it uh highly recommend it they're also coming to phoenix 
and I bought my ticket for December 14th and 15th at uh, Games U. Uh, it's actually right in the middle of my vacation, so I'm going to go to Renegade Open, go to Kansas City for a couple weeks, come back to Phoenix for a weekend, and then go back home for the rest of the holidays. But I'm really excited to take that because uh, I'm really excited to, to – I had a great time and I learned a lot when I did the airbrush class at LVO. And two days of just going through and doing all this is is going to be really fun. Um, they've got a few other events coming up. Um, they've got several in the UK, but they've got uh, Indianapolis and Atlanta in November. And I'm sure they'll be adding additional uh, classes. But uh, if you get a chance, if there's one nearby, I highly recommend it. It is expensive. It's two fifty for the weekend, and you have to bring like your own airbrush and compressor and paints. Uh, but part of the the class is them wanting to teach you how to use your own stuff. So, I, if it's highly worth it, I think if you're uh, if you're serious about uh, airbrushing or if you're you know trying to get better at airbrushing. Yeah, I'm I'm real tempted. Just, I've got to see where it fits in with my budget because got obviously a lot of con trips coming up, uh, but. Um, I'm real tempted to do the one in Casey because, like, I've been doing watching more like airbrushing tutorial videos on YouTube, but watching somebody do it can only get you mm-hmm. as far, you know, only get you so far. And there's like, definitely like tips and tricks I've picked up from that, but having that kind of hands-on education would be really nice. Like, yeah, having somebody there who can just like watch what you're doing, and be like, no, you need to set it to this, you need to, you know, watch your pressure, things like that, would be good. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was super informative having the class at LVO, and I'm actually taking the Armager paint class at LVO this year, uh, where basically they'll have all the stuff set up, and then you just go through and paint an Armager. So, oh, nice. um, yeah, it's uh, that one's only like forty bucks, uh, but it's also only like three or four hours because um, it's on the Friday of LVO. So I wanted to do hobby stuff on the day that i'm not playing games right i'm i may have to see if they i don't know if they have any tickets left for that one but i may have to keep i'll i may keep an eye out for stuff like yeah that. i'll uh, yeah but it's uh it's I, highly worth it and because i think you and i have the same schedule for lvo at least as far yes. as gaming so yeah exactly all right well that wraps it up this was episode 200 we made it <laughs> we made it through Woo-hoo! Hopefully, by releasing last week's failed attempt, we uh, <laughs> last episode's failed attempt, we have uh, broken the curse. But uh, thank you for for anyone who is stuck with us from episode one. Anybody who's come in at any point in between then and now. Anybody who this is their very first episode listening to us. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the last. We're not normally this self indulgent. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it, it was. It was good to get our, our word out to people yeah, that know more about was. us now. Yeah, but no. <laughs> yeah, well, and also yeah. this was. I don't think it's self indulgent if we just tell you about it without you asking. <laughs> that's yeah. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no. I, I I hopefully this has a been a good kind of recap of who we are where we came from the things we like things we don't like and and where we've been over the last eight years and beyond going back to the late 90s in some cases uh (laughs) but uh, hopefully there will have many more episodes in us as the game continues to grow and uh again thank you all for, for everyone who wrote in questions Thank you very much. That these were fun to answer for everyone who's just listening. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for joining us. If you want again, uh, thank you to all our Patreon. Yeah, thank you to all our patrons on Patreon who helped make this possible and have allowed us to keep going. And uh, so here's to many more. Uh, so from all of us here, preferred enemies. I'm Rob, Kevin, Dennis, and Richard. Good night. Good gaming and. 
200 is just the beginning, baby. Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.